Yo! <laughs> Did I leave you all in anticipation? I suddenly forgot uh, how to do a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Steve. This is G.I. Joe Burgess, episode 288, entitled Mike the Hunter. Hmm. Are you scratching your heads, or do you know exactly what's around the corner? We'll find out in a minute, but I'm not alone in this jaunt. It's Deadly Pencils, a.k.a. Paul. Hello, my friend. Hey, dude. And all I want to say on this episode is, shh. That's a small spoiler for something that's going to come later, but that's so cool. Anyway. What? Hey, everybody. Yep, that's mysterious. Yep, yep. Okay. I'm, I'm in the dark, too. Uh, <laughs> Rob's here, too. The trio. Here I am. And yeah. I, I don't know what Paul's talking about either, so I'm very excited <laughs> to, to learn about shh. <laughs> um, right off the bat, guys, I have to um, have some unfortunate news kick us off because last oh, yeah. week or last episode, two weeks ago, we in devoted the first part of the episode to Legends of the Hidden Force. Yes, the Kickstarter did. currently, well, was currently um, funding um, O-ring ninjas. Yeah, ringing any mm -hmm. bells? Okay, mm -hmm. so absolutely, I was here for that. I remember. <laughs> they have cancelled the Kickstarter in its initial formats. Oh. Because they, they are looking to relaunch it in a, a more, I suppose, manageable form. Because, yeah, I mean, towards the, the, the final days of any Kickstarter, if it's, if it's not funding immediately, you know, if it's not a, a right-at-the-gate success, if it is mm. kind of coming down to the wire, a, a tough decision must be made by the, the creators as to whether or not to proceed or whether they need to go back to the drawing board wow. and maybe, yeah, maybe set a more manageable goal at first. Um, so, that they, yeah, Matt, Chad, and Darren decided to do exactly that. So if you are keen on Legends of the Hidden Force, don't worry. They will be back. And these toys will see production. But yeah. uh, they need to kind of strategize and, and re rejig things a little bit for the initial funding goal. That's my news. <laughs> it's also um and and this is my comment on your news because I, I actually wanted to speak about the same thing <laughs> all right um, also uh i believe valiverse had the same kind of issue initially on kickstarter so this is a good sign i think i feel i think so yeah. too do a little yeah, retooling like, yeah man like stronger than ever blowing the barn doors off at the moment so exactly yeah. so well, that's my comment on steven's news <laughs> I'm grateful Bobby didn't uh, pack up his toys and, and call it a day and you know Absolutely go not. back to designing for someone else's toy line. So nah. yeah, it's it's testimony to that tenacity and yeah, we wish the boys all of the best. Uh, Absolutely. For those amazing ninja toys. Yeah. Rob, do you have a, a life? Tell me. Catch me up. Do I have a life? I unfortunately <laughs> don't have a life currently. Um I've been I'm very tired. Like we spent like <laughs> yeah, we spent like a week moving tons of boxes and and the next couple of days will be even more boxes. Um we've we closed the store, me and our, our Saturday man, our Saturday dude Ryan, me and him uh, closed the shop for the last time in our current oh, location wow. on Saturday. Um wow. and yeah, now it's just packing everything up for Comic Con Cape Town as well as packing the rest of it up to move it to the to the new location. So yeah, I'm. We're halfway through, I think, basically, and we've got a little more stretch to go. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm already like you're. I'm, I'm. I don't even know. Like, what's what's cool Afrikaans term for being really tired? It's really tired. Yeah, Whatever, man. Yeah, it is. 
Booth tired. <laughs> well, that's the one that my, my main mind went to instantly. Um, yeah. But I was like, oh, you know, kids yeah, like frog. But um, <laughs> well, it's funny. And my comment on Rob's news. I've had the same week as you, Rob. Hey, I've also been packing boxes for Comic Con next week. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Good times. Well, gents, yeah, I'm about to pick news. you both up. This is going to get you Whoa. pumped because Steven's waiting in the wings. No, no, no. We're moving right. the agenda on. No waiting in the wings. We have a guest for this podcast. Oh, He's a no, toy YouTuber with a very popular channel. He's got a firm love for G.I. Joe Classified, but what really captured my attention is the fact that he's making exceptional play motion films with them. Ladies Thank and gentlemen, you. I give you Mike the Hunter. Hello, Mike. What is happening? Fellow G.I. fans, <laughs> it is good to be here. Steve, Paul, Rob, thank you very much for having me on. Smooth, so dude. Cool. Oh <laughs> One or two times. Mike, thank you for being here, firstly. And uh, you are a family man, so your time is short. I can appreciate that. Um, and I don't know how you do it, but you're cranking out some incredible films. Um, the first one, G.I. Joe classified, the movie. And then the second one, Kamakura, Tale from Tokyo. Am I getting that right? Sorry. I'm yes, kidding. sir. Absolutely. Dude, you, I've been taking notes, man, big time. Um, mm -hmm. Because you, you've, you've you certainly bring something done the to the impossible. game. Because mm. I think, like, we, we on our side, we, you know, we, we, we do the vintage toys, but like, we, for a long time, I think we were like, ah, you can't do good classified movies. They're too articulated. They, they're too big. You can't do anything cool with those things. You and need then more Steven than one sends person. me the links to these films, and I'm like, okay, I, I guess I got to eat those words because, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Like, you've done things with classifiers I didn't think you could do in play motions, as, as we like to call them. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, man. It, I used to do these types of films, but they were very short and they were with Marvel Legends. And they were a few years back ah. where, you know, I'd set up my camera on my desk and, you know, just get a couple legends and, you know, just try to do their voices the best I can. Uh, I did one with Punisher not too long ago. Um, and it was like a, a Marvel versus Star Wars series, too, where my Marvel mm -hmm. Legends would fight my Black Series figures in my own house, you know, fighting over territory and stuff. But that was the last of it until recently, um, you know, when I started getting into these G.I. Joe classified series figures, I thought, man, they're so amazing with the looks of them, the detail, uh, like you said, Rob, the articulation, the weapons. And I thought, dude, I like I have so much vision for these characters, not only just seeing them in their cartoons, but just the figures themselves have their own look, um, you know, as opposed to the cartoons. So I was like, I want to create a world uh, where these characters come to life. These figures in particular come to life. And, you know, uh, how it started is me searching up videos to see if anyone has else has done that. Sure enough, G.I. Joe Berg pops up and I'm like, that is it. That is exactly <laughs> what I did. That's what I was trying to do. They went out to a lake. They went out to whatever, a forest. And they just played and shot all day and came up with this masterpiece. I was like. These guys are the inspiration. So, yeah, if it weren't for you guys, oh, thanks, man. I would have done it. Hell wow. <laughs> well, things get 
complicated in a different way when you upscale the six inches. And we'll get into the, the, the brass tacks of it in a minute. But I guess by way of introduction on G.I. Joburg, we'd like to get to know our guests a little bit more, particularly by asking them about their favorite action figures. Like, what kind of guy is Mike the Hunter? Is he a Zartan man? Is he a stalker kind of guy? Or is Outback the new flavor of the month? What are your favorite G.I. Joe action figures? And Cobra action figures, for that matter. In fact, mm. let's just let's narrow it down, man. What is number one? What is the top dog for each faction? So, for me, it's got to be Stuart Outback. And oh, and, nailed it. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> the reason, I mean, not only was he my favorite, like, he became also my favorite from just making him like the leader um, mm. out of the film. But the detail on the old Stuart is so good as compared to the, you know, the younger Stuart. He just looks so badass. He looks so gruesome. He looks so tough with his gray beard and like the details in his eyes. Um, he just looks like a, just a, a straight up ass kicker, man. I love this figure out of them all. Hands down. It's, it's him. And then beachhead beachhead. I like next. Yeah, Beachhead's right. Eh? Well, it's interesting to me that Tiger Force Hard Pack was what they led the charge with in Classified. I suppose, you know, the, the wisdom of getting the, the variant one out first because, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's going to buy the, the original release. But yeah, it has also increased the popularity of Tiger Force Outback through the roof. I mean, it was a, a rare-ish figure back in the day. It, it didn't see release in the United States. Um, so yeah, th there was obviously interest in getting this kind of figure of design that has exclusivity, but now that the Outback or the classified series Outback is such an astoundingly good figure, people like it just based on the figure's merits alone. Um, it's going to be interesting to like, maybe even do a bit of a straw poll amongst classified collectors and find out which Outback is their go-to Outback now. Mm -hmm. Can they not like? I mean, you say he's old Outback, and I, I like that. I like the the dynamic of the old soldier. There's not enough of that in Joe. Um, as I'm getting up there in years, I realize, shit, I'm older than most of the GI Joes now, and that's something I never used to imagine when I was <laughs> in my twenties and thirties oh, and whatnot. Yeah, dude, we we we're veterans. We would have aged out of the team by now. Shit. Wow. Yeah. Watch out. Oh, boys. Um, okay, Mike. Well, hang on. Hang on. Let's not get past this just yet. Uh, Cobra figure. Cobra yeah. figure. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Destro. He looks mm. the most original out of all of them. I would go with the Cobra Commander, but it's not the Cobra Commander that I like. The one that we got from the Classified series. Um, the Destro, though. The perfect shine on that chrome head that popping collar of his the nice uh what do you call it the chain he's got there's a word for it not really Ooh. chain medallion yes oh really medallion. and that one it just looks so og i I'm, I'm glad they didn't change or alter his looks with that one too much so i'm gonna have to go with destro it's still pretty fresh though there are elements that like feel you know there's a lot more texture work going into his suit than mm -hmm. the og the og just yeah. kind of had like a black jumpsuit um, but yeah, man, that Destro, it's svelte, pretty teched out. Okay, maybe, maybe I'll uh, pick him up if I see him on shelves still. Because yeah, you can still find a handful of like, the first series classified here in Australia um, yeah, at random I, places. I had to pick up the carded version too, just to have on my wall, like uh, the picture of with Destro. the eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to hang that one up on my wall just for the heck of it. I love that figure. 
Um, but I always have to, you know, mention my next favorites and that has to be the Crimson Twins. I really like the way the Crimson Twins came out with their, uh, you know, their face sculpts. They have like a, such a, I don't know. They have, they have kind of like a cocky face to me with a little smirk on the side. Like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. We're here to handle business, but we'll kick your ass if we have to. <laughs> They're badass together. So yeah, you got to go with those two. Yeah, man. Cool. The, the Cobras give you a, a lot more room to kind of play up the, the theatricality. Uh, <laughs> I love, love, love the interplay that your Cobra characters have in the films. You really get into the, the, the nitty gritty of like how these guys relate to one another. Mm. And it's funny as hell, man. <laughs> it's really, really good. For anyone scratching their heads as to these films right now, don't worry, I got your back. The links are in the description below. So scroll down, have a look, and then come back to this podcast if you so choose, because these really are worth your time. I mean, just the amount of time that you put into them, Mike. Astounding. I think I want to start there. Like, G.I. Joe the movie... It's a 40-minute feature when it's edited and completed. How long did it take to assemble all the footage, edit, voice, sound design? Because this thing is very, very layered. Yeah, that one had dense. to... Uh, yeah, I was, that took about two, two to three months to um, mm. you know, piece yeah. all that together. And you know, that's because I did take days off you know, to be with the family and, and not be with my figures every day. But you Understandably, know, dude, this can't be a full-time job. This is absolutely for the love. Yeah. The fact that you're able to devote as much time as you do, yeah, testimony to how you're crushing life, bro. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to space it out very much, especially if you really want to get the um, the look right. Like if you got to travel to somewhere where there's a lot of mountains, a lot of open field. Um, scale. Unfortunately, <laughs> most of it was yeah to scale. Most of it yeah. was in my backyard just to save time, but. Um, yeah, you got to travel places. You got to get all your toys. You got to put them in a tote, take them with you. And the hard part is just holding the camera and playing with the toys at the same time <laughs> to make sure the movement is just right within the camera. Did you have any yeah. assistance in that respect? I I did. And my lovely lady, Mary, she did help me out with... Uh, there's a scene in the first uh, G.I. Joe film I did where... Uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow are really going at it. Um, and Snake Eyes sprints at Storm Shadow, straight up tackles him through a metal door, and they go flying through the door and they roll. I couldn't do that by myself, especially with the camera following both of the characters in midair, uh, mid-tackle. So I had my lady hold the action figures, um, strap a rubber band uh, to hold them together, pinch them together just right with the pose and push them to the door as I move the camera. That was the assistance I had in that one. Um, so yeah, if I, if I really want to get those shots, I need a second hand in there. Either my lady will help me or my kid will help me. Unbelievable. Man. Yeah. Look, I'm surprised that's the only shot that, uh, that comes to mind because a lot of it is very technical. The fight choreography alone is well, it's the standout feature because you've really leaned into this scale and this level of articulation big time, not just in terms of the, the posing shot to shot, which is also excellent. Like there's a lot of character that I, I see in the way that you pose things quite meticulously mm. um, to, to give that, that character and, and to let us know through body language, what the, the, the figure is going through, but the fighting, my God, man, mm. 
I mean, the first Joe film, hmm. yeah, there's a lot of gunplay and um, plenty of martial arts in that Storm Shadow uh, Snake Eyes brawl um, and Croc Master versus Spirits as well. But like, it's really on display right the way through in Kamakura. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that was from. Off, man. <laughs> yeah. That was just doing so much from the first one. I was like, okay. The first one was cool, you know, the, the the fight scenes were good, but I really want to make it as much, as realistic as possible with the sword fighting. Sword mm -hmm. fighting in Kamakura, it's very difficult to get that shling, ding type of sound while the figures <laughs> are hitting swords when there's they're hitting them so much together. So, yeah, that's very challenging, but um, took many takes to get those sword fights just right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we know it. Man, I wanted to uh, like something I wanted to mention uh, that I like, or that you said earlier is uh, it's getting the camera and moving the figure at the same time and getting it right. And mm -hmm. it's one thing like to to actually sit with the, the the toys on your desk and have you know them in martial arts poses and get these like cool action moments going. It's a whole different ball game when you're trying to get that exact thing that you're seeing in front of you to look that good mm -hmm. on camera because then it's all angles trying to get that right then also you know getting the lighting kind of right as well mm -hmm. of, you know so that there's not too much shadow on the face and then you do this crazy thing that i absolutely love is that you move the camera with the action but the camera is not panning necessarily it kind of it kind of chases it i it um i'm trying to think of the word but it kind of expands a little bit left and right uh mm. if you're not yeah you know what i mean because you did it <laughs> but it's just it's so cool that like like that you did that and it's so great i love seeing that because that is something i'm a big fan of i'm a big fan of that kind of camera movement and when i saw your fight scenes the one thing that it reminded me of was uh street fighter specifically mm. street fighter 5 mm. and um i just that whole kinetic that whole way you managed to get the whole one two three breathe in and then out boom you know that like <laughs> yeah, it's so cool you you really get a lot of that that breathing time i love it yeah, I, I really yeah. want to do like I could it's you could sit there and have the figures just fighting in one, um, you know, one scene, one shot. But I, I really try to just keep the the eyes moving at all times. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to follow the fist then out of nowhere. I want an elbow to come in. Then the next shot, I want a leg to be hit in the face. Like just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What just happened? But yeah, the sound yeah. effects guide you through it. So, you know what happened. You're like, oh, OK. Like that dude just got kneed right to the face and you hear the crack into the nose, like those types of, I just, I learned that from watching a lot of action uh, movies growing up with, um, geez, dude, I could swear that I you did. were like a stunt coordinator or fight choreographer uh, <laughs> as your real, your real job, because mm. it's on point. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's, so. not, um, <laughs> it's not gush It tells a much, good story. Not cool. <laughs> uh, we've got a question from our viewer uh, live in the audience, member of the Patreon tribe, uh, the Joe, Joe Force. What do we call him, Paul? The Bergforce. Forgive <laughs> 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 me, it's earlier. Hey, Spoon Killer, welcome to the session, dude. He wants to know from you, Mike, how do you deal with the limited amount of vehicles at the six-inch scale? Doesn't that limit you quite a bit with play motion? Oh, good question. 100%. Yes, that is a very good question. Um, that's one of my most challenging things right now is finding vehicles. Um, in, in my first film, I had a mix of like three and three quarter inch vehicles. And I also had, you know, luckily some like Barbie vehicles and stuff. But that's about as close as I can get to uh, 
vehicles to fit these guys is, is either Barbie, uh, Bratz. Um, some people find some other things like RC type cars or, um, you know, just, just toys from other lines, like uh, maybe like Fortnite or something. But that is like you. Lightyear by any chance? <laughs> yeah, Buzz Lightyear like that, for example. It's like, dude, where am I going to find a jet for Destro, Cobra, Baroness to fit inside? And sure enough, a buddy hit me up and it was like, yeah, Buzz Lightyear, dude, 25 bucks at Walmart. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a hit and miss. They can't get rid of that stuff quick enough nowadays. The movie yeah. did not do the kind of numbers that they were expecting. But hey, we aren't complaining. So yes, that is the, the sort of the more prototype. Was it the X1? Jet, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. designation. But yeah, it's a really, really sleek one. Whew, Thank sense. you. Yeah, I, I had to just paint it black, get some mm. red in there, get some cobra red, and see how it looks in the shot. And and I did. I, it was a rushed one too. I had to do that within a day or two because I knew like the next day. Okay, I'm gonna shoot. Um, I'm gonna shoot the jet scene. So I, I only have one day because it's it was raining all week. I had a sunny day, so it was a bit rushed. But, um. You can you can turn a lot of vehicles into a GI Joe type vehicle, especially with Barbie cars. Um, mm-hmm. I recently just went to the swap meet and bought a Barbie boat, and it's all pink, it's all you know, baby blue and stuff, really girly. But I'm gonna sand it down, paint it up, make it silver, and this uh, boat is gonna be used in the next film that I do, um, featuring. Um, it's going to be an underwater scene. Let's let's say that, oh, yeah. and I'm sure you can you can know who's going to be in this one. Um, we got torpedo, <laughs> and we got shipwreck. So that's going to be fun. I don't want to give Those too much. This can't come out quick enough. I'm sure you're like, yeah, yeah I'm ready, damn. guys. Come on, Hasbro, deliver. My body well, is ready. The question, Spoon Killer. Keep them coming, buddy. Yes, good question. Thank you very much. I got a, uh, I got a question. If you don't mind, it is an interview, Paul. <laughs> I know, but I just, it's more like because I was worried I just like stepped on your nuts there, Steve. Because I'm like really curious about this. Um, do you do your own music? Because it is cool if you do, and if you don't, it's also cool. The I just, music, I, just... I no, I don't. I, I, I use a um, service called Storyblocks where. Um, I have to search for a lot of royalty fee- free music and luckily they have a lot of action type. Oh, excuse me. Got a phone call. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of, uh, different types of tracks you got to go through because a lot of them sound cheesy. A lot of them don't sound right. So yeah, that's where I get my main music. I can't use real songs. Oh God. I wish I yeah, knew more songs. We know the, we know the struggles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and then your sound design on top of that, like the, the foley work, mm. it's so good. It makes me wonder, like, did you record that for that scene specifically? I'm talking about drinks, glasses, clinking, and you know, everything oh, yeah. that, that makes up the sound design. Like it feels very purpose recorded. But uh mm-hmm. I know that if you're sourcing those sounds, that's time consuming, man. Every oh, yeah. single little click clack. That's where a lot of the time consumption comes from, too, is like finding the right sounds because the sound effects that you get online, they're not going to match with what you have imagined, such as, you know, those glass clinks. Um, But some of them, like, let's say if I'm not getting that right type of fight sound or I'm not getting that right type of punch, I'll try to do something into the mic, you know, (laughs) something like that to mix in with other sounds. Um, But for the most part, the gunshots are the most 
uh, difficult because there's a lot of different weapons that these Joes have, and I don't want all of the weapons to sound the same. Mm-hmm. So getting that right type of gunfire sound effect, that's the most challenging one right there. Um, I get those online. Oftentimes I'm watching fan films and I'm like, yeah, that is a, a stock sound effect that I'm hearing a little bit too often. And it yeah. does it does pull you out slightly. So, dude, the amount of time you've invested in sourcing a diverse soundscape, mm. it all works out because there wasn't a single moment when I was like, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. That sounds familiar. <laughs> that's, and that's a real, yeah. real callback to the previous scene. No, man, it was, yeah. And I and know we- that takes time. Yeah, there's also slowing down too and speeding up. I did a lot of that too yeah. with the gunshots, like you know, make it slower if I want it to have more, you know, bang bang. Um, if I want it to sound more of like a you know machine gun, little little Uzi, you know, speed up the sound a little bit and mm-hmm. it sounds more like it. Yeah, no, very filmic. Like you have a vision for this stuff that really feels like Hollywood could be taking notes. Honestly, well, anyways, did I say I was going to stop gushing? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys are making uh, me blush. <laughs> oh, you know it, baby. Oh, okay. So we've spoken a bit about the music. Look, there's one effect that I want you to break down for us, and it's gotten a lot of rave in the, the comment section on both films because mm. it does crop up twice. It's the smash through, uh, what is it, like a Perspex screen, something that mm. you've slashed. Basically, Zartan takes a run at a, at a G.I. Joe window, and jumps through it in the HQ in the first film. And in the second one, I think it's Kamakura jumps. Uh, ooh, he, he takes Akuma, tackles him through a window. Mm, yes. In both yeah. instances, you've got an actual screen that you've pushed the figures through in slow yeah. motion. And it looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. So the first one, um, Zartan just jumping through. That was a G.I. Joe classified box uh, plastic screen that I, I cut out. <laughs> I taped it to sort of like a bookshelf thing that I had. I taped it to like all the edges. So when I pushed those figures through, it wouldn't just pop off. So I had to tape it very, uh, very tightly and then cut maybe about six to seven slits enough for the figure to just push smoothly through. Um, and sure enough, it's like, I, I, I must've pushed Zartan through that plastic at least like 15 times before it looked good enough because, uh, you know, obviously the, the pieces will snag on the figure or he'll go out too fast or too slow. So um, it helps a lot. Yeah. When you, when you just pre-cut it, push him through and the sound effects make the rest of the magic. Um, and then the second one, I thought, you know what, damn, I don't have any plastic right now, but since this is uh, some type of like a dojo type uh, window I wanted to make, uh, it was out of tissue paper that I taped mm-hmm. all together and then, of course, pre-slit again, and they went through like butter. It was perfect. So cool. And it has maximum impact. I love it. I mean, everybody <laughs> loves it. It's a good shot. It's a great yeah. shot. I, I'm, I'm curious about your process um, in terms of like editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so would you say... Uh, would you typically um, shoot all of your footage and then arrange it in an editor and then go and do all your voices, go and do your soundtrack, go and do your, your sound effects? Or how do you how do you like to to like pop your scenes on the on on your track on your editing track? Mm. I know that this is pretty technical, but a lot of people who listen to these things love making their own play, play motions, and maybe this will make help them make it better. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. So I'll shoot the figures first. I'll I'll try to get as many fight movements with the camera. Then 
From there, I will upload all the scenes, um, start from beginning to end, um, adding in little snippets here and there, little pieces. Uh, from there, I do the sound effects, right? I have to do all, oh, sorry, let me go back. I got to trim it to where there's a punch, there's a kick, like I said earlier. You got to cut out all, mm -hmm. the, all the extra fat. Um, then come the sound effects. You got to line them up just right, make sure the is right where the figure touches the other one. Um, then after that, once the sound effects are good, I add in the music. That's a lot easier cool. to do after the sound effects are done. Once the music's right, everything lines up. Now for the fun part, the voices. Just mm, cool. going over in between. So so when I have all of my fights taken care of, my punches, my kicks, in between I can add a, ah, you know, where it's needed. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, uh, voicing comes last. And then from there, if there's anything I feel can be added, maybe there's a scene in there I feel like can be added, maybe a five-second scene, doesn't matter, ten seconds. I'll go back and add that in if I can. Okay, rad. And 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 I suppose that also stops you from getting too wordy with your your scripts as well, because mm -hmm. you kind of got a lot of your action beats set up, so you you know that okay, I've got like ten seconds for dialogue here or two seconds for dialogue, mm -hmm. as opposed to like writing out this massive exposition and then trying to build everything around that. Yeah, it's you know? very hard to. So when I write down the scripts, um, mm -hmm. I write down like a general idea of what they're going to be saying, you know. Um, and then from there, like, what's it going to lead to is, are they going to fight after that? Is it going to transition to another scene? But even mm -hmm. with that writing, it's going to change a lot because once the, the, the sound effects and everything, the trims are, the clips are trimmed, I have to, uh, put the dialogue in right there with the timing. I have to work with that timing. So I'll have yeah. to cut a lot of extra stuff out or change what they're saying, you know, for it to fit right. Okay, cool putting a dialogue on, under a bit of a cramp like that that's incredible man like that, that is completely the opposite way to which i work yeah which, that's... Uh, it's interesting um but yeah. it also creates a, a tighter more pacey punchy package it's like if the character isn't saying what he needs to say in this amount of screen time then it needs to be cut down yeah you don't lengthen the shot to accommodate extra dialogue no 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 yeah no. you, you the... chop down your dialogue exactly it's, it's the um the scene where in the second one, Kamakura, where Destro is having, you know, that that meeting with um, Akuma. Uh, it wasn't supposed to have as much dialogue in there, but I had a lot more uh, room to play with, with all the extra angles I shot. So I was like, let me add some more dialogue in here. And sure enough, mm. you just fit more. You just work with it as you go. <laughs> the uh, most suspenseful sushi in all of Tokyo, the drum roll. <laughs> Ah, uh, dude, you got some great gags as well. Honestly, like I, I, I think I burst out laughing big time in a couple of places, but uh, none more so than was it? I'm gonna shove that Rubik's cube so far up your brother's ass that you're gonna feel it. <laughs> in respect to the Tomex and Zaymots, like that's using their ridiculous cartoon um, calling card in a yeah. very humorous way, a very adult way. Like this is. This is not your your kitty's GI Joe, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's. I, I, I didn't you. want to. I wanted to make it, you know, maybe PG thirteen, maybe a little bit radar. But I, I, I know a lot of my uh, my people who watch my videos, the type of stuff they find funny. So I, you know, I got to throw in a little comedic relief here and there. Um, give appreciate them something it, to laugh at. The banter is 
top shelf. And <laughs> the fact that you cram that banter into shot lengths that are already kind of frozen, even mm. more impressive. Because as as you know, comedy needs timing. It needs kind of a, a setup and a payoff. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of anticipation before it. But it, it, it reads, man. It really works. Mm. Right. And I also wanted to ask you guys too. I don't know if we'll get mm. to that, but I want to know what your guys' particular favorite scene out of any of the out of the two movies that I did. What was your favorite scene? Um, Ooh. Okay. I know Steven. Yeah. well no, I mean I I I thought of one ahead of time, so I'll give the, the boys a chance to think by unveiling mine. Love, love, love anytime you have figures submerged. So mm. where Ricondo and Outback are closing in on on the Cobra base that has uh, Duke and Roadblock prisoner, and they're kind of sneaking up in the water, under the water. Spirit takes the shot, and Outback catches the the dead Viper, like <laughs> as he goes into the like. That's just amazing <laughs> bit of uh, choreography there. Yeah, you know the arms reaching out of the water, the shot, the Viper falls, and then, <laughs> and the soundscape yeah. also just supports it so nicely. So that's far and away my favorite little moment there if i was to isolate a single moment also the lighting was um i mean we're using a lot of different color leds because it's very stylized at that point they're like some pink hues some some deep blue hues like it's yeah. you've, you've you've played with the color correction quite a bit haven't you yeah the usually i i use about two ring lights just you know i could lower the um the white light that really just makes the figures pop or you can see them uh, sure. But the colorful lights, those all come from like, you know, cheap LED lights you'll find at your nearest um, dollar store or five mm -hmm. below, you know, I'll try to mix in maybe about two or three little small lights at different angles to, you know, like, ah, is, is it showing his right side face a little too much, too little? Let me move it a little bit to the left or right. So, yeah, cheap lights. Cheap LEDs have, have changed the game. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I noticed that the way you set up Destro driving on the streets of Tokyo I mean, you have side projection with a, a screen behind it, like a driving sequence, very old yeah. school. Love, love rear and side projection. It's very cool. Uh, but then also above him, you've got a sort of LED rainbow lights that are like doing a kind of a chase. Exactly. Um, blue, yeah. to yellow to pink. And that just sets up so much motion. Like between the two, you've got the effect. It's it's there. I, I believe him driving. Very, very cool. Anyway, and my favorite scene in, um, in Kamakura. Let's see. Do I have it written down? Oh, man. Well, just so many fuck yeah moments in the combat itself. Like <laughs> Kamakura flips a sword off the floor and then a catch. Catches it. That is what I'm The motion of the camera, we believe <laughs> that it's flipped off the floor and into his hands, even though, you know, physically the figures haven't done that. Yeah. But we believe that that's exactly what's happened. And it's. Gorgeous. Um, so cool. that's me. Uh, Paul, Rob, can you isolate just off the top of your heads? It's, it's tough. I, I haven't did this heard... while I was watching. Uh, I, I've got mine and it's ready, but I haven't heard from Rob. You haven't heard from me yet because uh, I, I, I thought you were dead. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I think, okay, so from the classified one, I really enjoyed the, the fight team between um, was the Spirit and, and Croc Master, which I thought was really awesome. It kind of like, and their banter was really good. It kind of felt like like how you get the banter between um, Storm Shadow and Spirit in the in the cartoon. Yeah, but they kind of like instantly set up as like antag antagonists to each other, which I really mm -hmm. enjoyed. 
Yeah. And they kind of like use their own like abilities. Well, not really abilities, but like, you know, at the last moment, freedom kind of comes down and like saves him. And then right. Master's like, you'll never see the last of me. <laughs> I mean, yes. And then in Kamakura, I don't know why. <laughs> It's um, it's so it's like all hell breaks loose in the in the room with the sushi, and then like, hmm. uh, Destro gets knocked over his chair. But then you kind of like follow his point of view, and you actually like see the camera, and you see the, the light, ring lights, the yeah. ring lights above him. I, I don't know why, but I love that shot. This is like, <laughs> he just yeah. falls down, and he's like, ah, gotta get up. Yeah. Well, it's very like kind there. of a deep watch because you know if you're watching just kind of casually. It's a it's a cool like camera trick, you know. It's, you're going POV for some very dynamic action. But if you're watching, I suppose, like us nerds, uh, and you're like, "Oh, hey, I see a little bit of set there. I see a little bit of lighting." <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. just so cool. There's no there's no roof above this apartment. Kind of like breaking the, the wall, which which yeah, yeah, I, cool. I, I quite enjoyed. That's awesome. It was, it was pretty awesome. Thank you. Guys. And the head chopping scene was pretty good too, where you kind of like you, you kind of get that the feeling of the motion of you moving past him. And right. then the head kind of like rolling, like like uh, in front of Kamakura. So it's like, and then, and then rolls. <laughs> there are a few <laughs> clever disembodying tricks, um, and that's one of them because you kind of move the the peg of the the neck to the mm-hmm. back so you don't see it, and you can have kind of have the head roll alongside. But then there's another time that I think you've even topped that, where Kamakura's in his, I suppose his his kind of I don't know his his quarters or his. Uh, his dojo, his shrine. Yeah. It's a shrine, mm-hmm. like with all his martial arts weapons and stuff. And you've got his actual action figure torso, but set up as a uniform hanging off the wall. Mm-hmm. So you've got the included hood, no head, and you've got the arms swiveled to be behind him, so you don't see exposed flesh. And yeah. it looks convincing. It looks like he's, you know, we're in the Bat Cave and we're seeing all the Bat uniforms. It's exactly it's, it's hanging off the wall. It's Awesome, Mike dude. is very tricksy. He's getting <laughs> a lot of his sleeves. It's 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 amazing. Like I, I feel like it's it's like a I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I'll I'll leave Stephen to to gush. <laughs> oh, <laughs> can't all Spoon gush. Spoon killer guessed my favorite scene. Uh, he's like, yep, you got to have the cliche shot of slow mo coming out of the water, all dramatic. That is absolutely right. That is a fave <laughs> for me. Paul, how about so you, fun. dude? Me, um, I kind of uh, hinted at it when we opened the episode uh, when Rokondo drives that knife through the, the Cobra Trooper. I knew it. And it was all like, oh, sh- 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 sh. that was chilling, man. That's not a like, knife, it's a fucking sword, dude. That machete. Yo, <laughs> you know, to Rokondo, it's a knife, you know, potato, potato, machete, you know, Swazami yeah. knife, whatever. But that is such a cool shot. And such a cool scene and it like it sent chills through me because it's weird like my brain's like oh yeah this is how it's done but it's still super effective and the, it's so good the shush I, I wasn't planning on doing the shush in that scene but if you look at Rakondo's lips and his mustache it looks like he's saying shush exactly and i was like I'll, I'll just add that in it looks like he's doing that so that worked out perfectly <laughs> and uh and then yeah just to echo steven on this one uh, when Kamakura like catches the sword, like oh, I love that. That was so like clever. It, it reminds me of and Steve, uh, you'll resonate with this as well. Uh, Streets from uh, Streets of Rage, the new one, uh, how you can just catch catch an enemy's weapon. Uh, it's just when it, when it's thrown at you. I just love that. 
and also just the the sort of uh, kinetic feeling behind it that ricochet shot and yeah i mean and, and these are not the only two shots i love it's just that at the top of my mind uh, on the top of my mind these were my favorites and i was it's like i'm gonna talk about these i'm gonna talk about these but there's so many <laughs> other cool shots in these things damn that like cool. wow thank so, you man thank you for that for that awesome movie thank you i mean that's exactly why i did these types of little things because i know like dude some people are going to catch it they're going to know like they're going to catch just the reasoning behind it the coolness about it and, and you guys nailed that's why i wanted to hear like you guys nailed just exactly what i was envisioning so it's it's great light great minds think alike and this is exactly what encourages me to just do more of this stuff so um, thank you guys again i've got a quick question for you yes sir have you taken a short course in Japanese? Oh my goodness. The <laughs> Japanese. Oh, I have not. And I, that's something again, like uh, when I make these films, a lot of stuff just gets thought of along the way. So when I was like, okay, I want this to be a very Japanese uh, like type of film, like where you feel it, you know, like when you watch ninja movies, they got to mm. have the subtitles with the, with the Japanese so I was like, how am I going to do that? Uh, thank you very much, Google Translate, because I would type in exactly what I want him to say. And then I would listen to it over and over with the pronunciation and, and just, anita, just over and over <laughs> eight times. So great. That you was so good. Yeah. Well, so I, I admire your boldness, man. That's a, a limb that I don't think I could ever, well. Now, now I'm involved by to... you. Like, well, I've, I've, I've put in a little bit of Chinese uh, at one point, but I actually had a guy, a Chinese guy, say the line. Um, but yeah, that, it's excellent. And it's, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't speak Japanese, but like coming from a place of action movies and martial arts movies, like it's so convincing that, yeah, it, it completely checks out. Like, yeah, I as somebody who watches it. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, as somebody who watches a lot of anime in Japanese and who loves Japanese cinema, yeah, I felt like, I was like, yeah, this guy, you, Mike, <laughs> I was like, this guy cares about the pronunciation. Like, I can hear, like, and I'm not like a Japanese speaker. I just, but I could hear, like, you really, like, cared about the pronunciation. I was like, this is so rad. Because yeah, when uh, Samurai, uh, Silver Samurai, shit, that was cool. <laughs> You got to do the cool whisper story. too. I was thinking, I was like, I yeah. want to make it anime too. Like, you know how they have that little. <laughs> <laughs> you got to throw it in there. Come by. All right. Yeah, no, that now, was very cool, man. <laughs> let's talk about the Kamakura character, especially because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether you have a special affinity for Kamakura or you just got the figure and you were like, this fucking rocks. Because I know a little bit about your history, Mike. I know that you came up a little bit later into G.I. Joe than uh, mm -hmm. the three of us. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, by the kind of the Sig Sigma Six era, Kamakura was a established character in the G.I. Joe canon. But to us old schoolers, like Kamakura came in the comic books of like the early 2000s, like the Devil's Due stuff. And like, because he didn't have a classic figure, we didn't necessarily connect with him initially. Um, mm -hmm. So right. the first part of the question really is like, were you a fan or was it the figure that pushed you over the edge? It was definitely, it was the figure, but also like I, I would go back and like, before I do any of these characters, I try to go back and read about them a little bit. Cause as these figures come out, like, it's like uh, getting to experience it for the first time all over. Like, I'm like, 
dude, I got to go see what this guy's about, where he's from. So there's a guy on YouTube uh, who does G.I. Joe Origins, and he does a very good job of him. Mm. Um, you know, he'll go back. Who and, is Kamakura. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I, I watched that one, and I'm like, okay, I want to do my own twist, my own version, um, and see what comes of it. Like, try to get it as close to the original as possible, but just a little bit different, how they do with, like, you know, modern films. Like, we know G.I. Joe retaliation and all that. Like, a lot of the characters weren't even close to what they were, you know, in Sunbow. Well, they have the card names. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's what I try. Like, I get the figure, and I'm like, hmm, what do I want to see this figure do? You know, what I, what type of movements do I want to see out of this figure or what kind of voice? So that's what, that's why I do it. I just go along the way as I get the figures most of the time. But with the OG characters such as Snake Eyes, Cobra Commander, Destro, Duke, those ones I grew up with. So I know, like, a lot of people know how those are. So I try to keep those as original as possible. Cool, man. Speak, like You mentioned earlier getting the voices right. And I feel like I hope I'm not going too far from the original topic, but you, you mentioned getting the voices right. And I got to say, I love your Storm Shadow performance uh, just because, I mean, it's really like I feel you nail nail it and I feel you, you kind of nail the edge in his character as well. Um, earlier in the episode, you rocked a bit of Zaymot or is it Tomax or is it both of them? Um, and you totally get that. And I love that. Like, like you really do you like sit and listen to these characters voices in cartoons or do you take some time and maybe listen to, you know, other characters and, and try to sort of match that performance for yourself? Absolutely. Like, I, I, sweet. Okay, because, yeah, because, damn, dude, you do a good job of that. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, like, uh, I'll, I'll throw on the YouTube in my room, um, and I'll watch 30 minutes of Cobra Commander and Destro just going at it with each, like, just bantering at each other, you know. Ooh, just, just, yeah, and I'm like, how do I do that? Like, uh, Destro, you were expected days ago. Like, how can I get my voice higher? <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'll do that over and over and over, like in the shower or in the mirror, whenever I have time to myself or I'm outside, you know, taking a smoke, whatever. I'll just try to do the voices. And uh, But first, oh, I have to, yeah, I have to watch them and, and see how they actually sound. Chris Lotter is a tough act to follow in the stamina department, I find. Like anyone can kind of screech out a Starscream or a Cobra Commander in short bursts. Mm. But mm. to be able to do that sustained, I mean, does it? not fuck your voice up big time dude doing After, a cobra commander do you leave him for lost is i oh, guess what i'm trying to ask no yeah i i definitely will i gotta drink a lot of water to do cobra commander because when i'm done i'm like ah like i and it, i do it so many times What's the man? Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I do it so many times to where i'm just doing normal things throughout the day and i have to talk like them like like oh my lovely lady, I see you made chicken for dinner. My <laughs> favorite. Yes, in absolute delight indeed. Like, just, <laughs> my lady's like, oh my God, can you stop? I'm like, I can't. It's, I'm addicted to it. <laughs> this is how I play, baby. This is the man you may I May I be as bold as to like suggest, and, and maybe you're already doing this. I don't know, but my God, man, why aren't you like... Go no, 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 no. Like, I, I hope you're doing that already. But why aren't you going to a casting director or something to get to do voices oh. for cartoons or something, man? 
Oh man, I've always thought of it. That's one thing a lot of don't people think, told me. Don't think, go and do it, man. Get yourself an agent <laughs> and and get a, a tape or something done. Get it, get yourself out there, man. I think I think you've got a real like gift there. That Seriously. is very appreciative. Yeah, that's I've thought about it here and there. Like, what a, what a, will I ever just maybe nail a cartoon or a show or something? And and that's why I do these types of things now. Like maybe you know, like you guys, you guys notice this, you guys notice the hard work in these movies. So I'm like, you know, maybe someone will pick that up here and there and, and maybe you want to, you know, host me on their sh uh, little uh, mini episode or something have me go in there and, you know, get exposed like that. But I don't know, it's just something I always had for fun on the side. Just I mimic a lot of people like my family members, I do a lot of impressions of them. And it's I don't know, it's something I've always done as a kid. But well, that's what Mark Hamill did, dude. That's that's what Mark Hamill did. Like I was watching him on a podcast the other day and that is what he used to do. And his parents were all like, are you going to get a job sounding like what he would pick? And he's like, I hope so. Kind wow. of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's so, inspiring. So like, uh, yeah, man. Dream the dream. I mean, here's the thing. If you don't get it, cool. At least you tried and, you know, you know that there's a bunch of people out here who really enjoy what you're doing and you've got your own world and you can carry on. And if you nail it, well, damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, know? that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, at least I tried, right? I got out there, just tried. And if I know it's a hard thing to get into, I know that. So that's awesome, man. That's a, that's inspiring. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure, bro. Well, got we you. all wish you well, Mike, because honestly, you and everyone with a firm focus on the current G.I. Joe toys, I just want you guys to get on Hasbro's radar. G.I. Mm. Joe, book, we're a little bit too far off the track. I mean, we're internationals and we focus primarily on toys that have been out of production for 35 years at least. Mm. But your films should definitely get noticed by someone in the creative department in Hasbro. Mm. In fact, they probably have been. And hopefully the name's being booted upstairs. I mean, it's a big corporate and the way they operate is pretty ugly. Like it, it crushes the, the little guy. But yeah, I hope the little guy in this case can kind of speak to the slightly less little guy, speak to the medium sized guy, speak to the higher guy. And like, I don't know, get you get you some of their free merch or get you noticed in, in some respects. Like I know that they do highlight content creators. They've done a few Instagram channels and a few influencers here and there. Friends of our channel, in fact, but uh, you're definitely needing to be on that list. I Thank reckon. You, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's something I definitely want to do more of. Like maybe if I got some sort of deal with Hasbro, like, hey, if you guys, if you guys work with me, maybe send me the figures, whatever. I will make more of these movies, longer movies, you know, make more about that character. And in the end, you guys are, are having the benefit because if I scroll Free down. advertising. Like, yeah, from all these. I mean, you're putting like... in, you're putting in the hard yards. Like this would be paid work if you were yeah. a Hasbro employee or a freelancer employed by Hasbro. Yeah. But um, yeah. they're just giving you toys, and you're doing it for the love. Hell, exactly. yeah, that's smart yeah, gotta... business. It tripped me out when when I uh, someone tagged me in an Instagram story post um, saying, "Hey, I had no, you know, I didn't really care much for these GI Joes, but after watching this movie, I went and bought the entire series." uh i was like what he bought maybe yep. like 200 something dollars worth of gi joes in like one day i was like Dude. make money wow. money make hey. money money make money <laughs> hey you're an influencer hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's my goal that's my main goal on my channel it's always been for as long as i've been on there is really appreciating the little things about these figures whether it's from hasbro uh diamond select 
but whoever it is, whatever toy line, like the joy and, and that I get out of getting these figures and what I can do with them with my creativity, that's always been a big plus on my channel is, is uh, inspiring other people to do the same. Um, and, and yeah, so that's hopefully I continue to do the same thing with these Joes as they come out more and, uh, you know, also Marvel Legends. Oh, yeah, man. You got me wanting major a silver lines Oh, you got me wanting a silver samurai. <laughs> oh, yeah, then yeah, again, it's, it's as, as Steve would say, "Hey, oh yeah, no, I'm trying to find one now." But as Steve would, would you say, keep I'm it carded like, though, Paul? Because those like Toy Biz style X Men cards are so pretty. It's about mm, the same uh, time Mike was being born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, man, that takes me back to looking at toy aisles at the tender age of ten or eleven. I just remember that a beautiful uh, artwork of the of the Silver Samurai in the Wolverine card art, a card oh. set, trading card set, and right. just always been like fascinated by the character. And uh, I was actually quite a fan of the second Wolverine Origins movie with the Silver hmm. Samurai in it. I really enjoyed that film. It's not like a great film, but it's a fun film. It's mm -hmm. certainly better than the first one. And yeah, that that character's kind of really intriguing. Pretty me. low bar, Paul. <laughs> that is true. Better than no, no, that is Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. No. Listen. Uh, that yeah, yeah, I wanted. Um, <laughs> Snake Eyes is a very slick character. He can kick a lot of ass, but I wanted him to at least get punched through a wall one time, and kind of yep. kind of humbled real quick by the biggest guy I could find that's in a in a samurai suit. So that's where that's that true. was. <laughs> Yeah, I think an important thing with uh, just with Snake Eyes as a character and how you handle him, I mean, that that is the thing, right? I mean, we've just watched uh, two episodes of the animation series uh, that we might talk about in this episode. I don't know if we'll get to it, but uh, Snake Eyes is, is definitely used uh, too much like as a, as a MacGuffin, as like a, he's just, he's just wearing plot armor all the time. And so it's cool to see your Snake Eyes getting his ass kicked a little. Mm. Um, and and that's always what makes a hero more fun. It's like, okay, cool. This is actually dangerous. You know, he's not like a hot knife through butter now. He's kind of like a, you know, hot knife versus a car tire now. You know, <laughs> so right. it's 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 kind of a thing. So I I enjoyed that, and I felt that you 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 used them right. And I also like that you used um, and I could be wrong here, but it looks like the 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 scarf, the shemach or whatever it's called, the from Stalker, mm. on your snake eyes, and yeah. that is where mine's gonna go now because. I feel like it's too much for Stalker, but it looks... I've got to put it on my Snake Eyes now. As we're talking, I'm going to grab my Snake Eyes, put it on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right the scarf that... You're talking about like the brown type scarf, right? I think that one was yeah, from yeah. the Snake Eyes and Timber Deluxe Pack. That's. I think he had the scarf. Oh. Already, but... You yeah. don't have that two-pack, Paul. Oh, you it's threw the, away the, the packaging, didn't you, Paul? It's, it's oh. the, the no, it's the snake eyes that comes with the white timber as opposed to the yeah. the dark. Oh, one. the normal one. Oh, yeah. okay. The snake yeah, eyes see, with I... the brown pants came with the scarf, but even in the film, like I couldn't use the scarf sadly because uh, it it covers his grenades uh, mm -hmm. on his chest, and also the mobility of the figure just goes out the window when I have that scarf on him. So mm. maybe for like the standing scenes or something, or when he's done fighting, yeah, I'll throw it on him, but. Yeah, I had to sacrifice that one, sadly. I want to perhaps dip into a little bit of a spoiler. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a detail that won't get touched on later, in which case I'll, I'm happy to have the hot scoop now, or you can decline to comment. But Kenshi, 
was he a G.I. Joe? This is Kamakura's trainer in Tokyo. The guy who's having a drink with when the uh, assassination plot, the terrorist Akuma chucks a grenade through the window. Yeah. Um, so G.I. Joe had some special interest in him, obviously, because they're the ones who are at the, the, the wreckage site right. picking over the remains. Um, was he affiliated to G.I. Joe somehow? He was not. So I wanted him to be kind of like a mystery character throughout the uh, throughout the the, the the movie. I was like, people are going to wonder, like, what's the deal with this guy? Was he a Joe? Um, like, was was he into some stuff? What was his deal? What I wanted him to be was this made up character that was Kamakura's best friend. You know, what I mean, his brother that he grew up with. And this guy, somehow he had a also relationship with Snake Eyes. Like they have crossed a few right. paths in the past due to some stuff that Kenshi's been into. So I wanted to save that for the very last part. Like, hey, like, I don't know, because you're wondering, like, how did how did Kamakura get into G.I. Joe? Well, that was the whole thing. Uh, Snake Eyes had found him, um, you know, his, his burning body his uh, buried in, in all the rubbish, saved him and thought, you know, what I mean, like, I feel sorry that this happened. I, I knew Kenshi. I'm going to take this guy in and, and try to make mm. something out of this and, and bring him up because I don't want Kenshi's life to be taken for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where Kamakura's story came up. Oh, master and apprentice. Very cool. Yeah. Very nice, yeah. And structurally, it adds a nice capping to the story. You've yeah. got this flashback that kind of completes the tale, completes the circle. Yeah, uh, and, and bringing Kenshi back in the sort of a, a ghostly apparition as well. Yeah. Um, just before, well, just well, I think it's just after Kamakura takes Akuma's head. You've mm -hmm. got to, you know, this kind of lovely moments where he, he kind of is released from this this rage that's fueled him for the last five years. Very yeah. nice. It's uh, but structurally it's the first film, like, how did you, dude, in 40 minutes, you managed to get the kind of the, the, the cold open infiltration sequence like the cobra response an epic battle and then to cap that off you got the joes kicking back and having a great like just party mm. at the end and <laughs> uh, you've got cobra scheming um so it is it's it's the full package it yeah. doesn't leave you like with anything wanting like there's not a, a scene that's missing it's like yeah we've got our epilogue as well to just show us that the joes are okay and everyone's laughing and having a good time cobra's coming up with the next plot yeah so, with props the, there, man. the first one the first one was originally supposed to be just a little tiger force clip it was supposed to be the tiger <laughs> force guys going through the jungle and saving um saving their guys saving mm -hmm. Roblox, saving duke but it turned into something more so much like so quickly i was like who else can i add in here this is fun what else am i gonna do how about at the same time they're saving these guys, there's another story going on back at the base. You know what I mean? Mix it up a little bit. So, Good yeah. Times. It's just the fun you have playing with these guys and, like, the 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 finished product you see with the sound effects and everything. You're like, oh, my gosh, let's do some more. Let's add in a couple more scenes. And that's how it happened. And, and I was like, you know what? How am I going to get every single character in here, you know, to bring them to light? And a big inspiration of that was the expendables from stallone because oh, yeah. <clears throat> in that movie everyone had their own scene you know everyone had their own part jason statham with his knives 
you got Terry Crews with his big old, you know, shotgun. I was like, I want to kind of mix that in with the Joes and see how that comes out. And sure enough, big battle, uh, nothing but shooting, nothing but fights, nonstop action, adrenaline. And then in the end, a nice beer, you know, to see how these Joes come together as family. Um, well, it's appreciated, man. In a lot of cases, like you do, you climb the big hill of like the action sequence and you're like, okay, that's enough story. I'm going to, I'm going to end it here, but to, yeah. to give the little send off at the end, very much appreciated. It gives the audience such a nice opportunity to kind of exhale. And so, yeah, it is the full package and a monumental amount of work. Both of these films must've soaked up. So we appreciate it. Um, appreciate and I know that uh, you're a busy man and it is Sunday afternoon. So if you want to jump off now, you're more than welcome. This is I want to ask you a toy question. Oh, a toy question. Before <laughs> I want to ask you a toy question. Like, if you're welcome you, to stay you have on. To hit me, hit me, guys. I'm good. The, the cool. lady still got the baby right now. That's the whole point. My my baby's with the mom right now, so I'm kind of just like I'm free to nerd out for you know, a while. <laughs> you're free dadding. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so I'm in paradise right now. So you guys ask me whatever you gotta. So the sort of Damocles hanging over your head. I mean, I've I got a quite I've got a um a fairly like decent collection of classified Joes and I have opinions on, on the classified line as a whole. And as I've, I've been like doing these little reviews as we, as we were going forward, but I'm, I'm curious to know from you who, and, and you definitely are somebody who loves the classified Joes. What is the thing that you think is missing collectively from the classified GI Joe line? Oh, Ooh, man. the heavy questions. Question. <laughs> Well, the number one is like Cobra's Cobra Commander's original suit. Like I wanted that one so bad, and uh, it's it's I'm tempted to buy the Super Seven one, but the scale difference is what bothers me. I've but seen that... him posed next to Serpentor, and it doesn't look too bad. I, I imagine Serpentor is a bit of a, a taller figure, but like Cobra Commander is a smaller build in Super Seven. So mm. it might it might work, Mike. If you manage to see one in person, like bring a classified figure into the store. <laughs> yeah, that. So yeah, that suit right there. And then of course, where the heck is Alpine? Where's Alpine? Mm. Where's Alpine? You know, uh, Bazooka needs his buddy. You know. Sure. Mm. So waiting for him. Yeah. Legendary Dubo. Paul, I'm curious though. You hinting at something that's on your mind, man. What is classified collectively missing because mike's after specific characters and, and versions of characters but you seem to be driving him towards like what is the stylistic choice that you want made differently mm. what are so, you on about? It seems like so, you're driving paul too <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was Everyone a leading question. someone else leading question your honor come on paul it, what it are you was, getting at? it was a little um so i would like a little bit more plastic in the in the classified um boxes and that would be in the form of just an extra hand or maybe two extra hands and the form of a clinched fist, I think would be so good. And also just a more of a grabbing kind of hand, like an open sort of grasping hand, because I find across most of the classifieds, one of the biggest faults that they have is they mostly have trigger hands and like both hands are trigger hands more often than not. So you got this like, and because I'm thinking of dialogue and I'm thinking of these characters in a play motion and, and you managed to get around that really quickly, which is actually why I asked the question because I wanted to see if it was something that was on your mind, if, if it was something you worked around or if it was something that it just didn't bug you. But 
I just find the classifieds all have these like trigger finger hands. Mm-hmm. And it's, I find it kind of annoying sometimes when I just want to have kind of a subtle pose with them when I'm doing cam- uh, like shots of them or something. I just sometimes just want them to be like, you know, maybe even just for a punch. I want to like have one of them punching another guy without it looking like he's going to break his finger. So right. that's one thing. Yeah. Sergeant Slaughter, he came with a ton of hands and I appreciated that very much. Um, I wanted more hands with my snake eyes. Um, mm. and in one of the scenes, I had snake eyes with an open palm. And the only reason I had that is uh, from a Black Panther figure. I had uh, switched the hands out. But yeah, I need I need more. I, I agree. More open palms, uh, more pointy fingers and yeah, grasping hands. I really like those to just mix it up a little bit. Clearly, Paul, you need to expand back into Marvel Legends, man, because then then you'll have your hands. Yeah, just yeah, true. I mean, I saw some of those today. I saw the Hobgoblin and the Shocker in uh, a toy shop today, actually. And I was kind of tempted by the Hobgoblin, but I was just like, yeah, what am I going to do oh, with I, it? I <laughs> but like, it's like, cool... Do any of the other lines from Hasra actually include tons of hands? I mean, obviously, Sergeant Slaughter came with a bunch. So yeah. it's something they're willing to do every now and then. But then again, I suppose Sergeant Slaughter, what other accessories would he have come with? So I mm. suppose that's why he came with a whole bunch of hands. Yeah, oh, those are his weapons. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the crates that they come with, it wouldn't hurt to have them as actual plastic. Like, I kind of hate having to take extra care of those crates they come with that are cardboard because they get mm. banged up pretty easily. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that would be one thing I'd like to see because I'd love to collect those. And it's where I keep all of their weapons organized, of course, so I don't lose them. So uh, a little bit more sturdy. Of, My uh, two observations with those, those sort of pack-ins is that I think, well, firstly, Hasbro wants to cut down on, on plastic in the packaging, or they mm-hmm. wanted to. <laughs> they're reintroducing well, it. Well, the, the funny they, thing they is, have I, no I idea how... thought about this the other day. Oh. The figure itself is made of plastic. It doesn't matter how much plastic you cut out of the packaging. The figures themselves are made of plastic. Ah, but yeah. single-use plastic. Are you throwing plastic. your figure into the ocean, though, Rob? That's what <laughs> Hasbro is trying to get rid of. But, I mean, Rob with is. the cardboard... He's like, ah! I really I, <laughs> I, I don't that. think <laughs> I don't think the oh, design team I don't think the design team knew exactly how popular those like lock boxes would become. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are using them for dios and displays, and it's a very collectible thing to have like your locker for your gear with their name um, on it. Yeah, exactly, and the sort of number pad. It's it's a cool bit of design that absolutely should be made of plastic. And hey, if we dial the clocks back 20 years to uh, Sigma 6, they were made of plastic. Um, that toy line had some merits. Um, I'm and you guys... The first to admit. And you so uh, fell for my trap card now as well. That was the second thing I feel like is missing. I, w- I would love it if they just... If every toy came with a random prop, like oh, a barrel blind or bag. a plastic... Mm. No, no, a well, radio. a blind bag... A radio, com, yeah. a com gear, a night vision goggles, something. Just just like lots of little, like just finger food, man. Like just Beer stuff can. that you can like mess around with and put in your Joe's hands and kind of give the, the user a unique experience. And then the cardboard stuff, well, if they want to reduce plastic in their packaging, by all means, please do that. But then give us more cardboard in, those, uh, in that packaging in the form of, yeah, lockers, lock boxes, things that, you know, like, paper craft thingies why not man i mean these are toy designers that kind of shit's easy for them to come up with right you know, yeah, great they templates should, yeah they should take notes from um 
Vala versus Action Force line. Those things come exactly. with a ton of accessories. Those are perfect. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm comparing them to because Action Force, <laughs> they're beautiful when you like open that box. You're like, I got all the hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But so cool. it's, well, it's funny you should mention like the blind aspect of having like a, a, a sort of bonus accessory that you there's a free package. Jada Toys does it. I was thinking about it just the other day and thinking how I really like the Spin Master, like Batman Spin and Master, Superman figures. Yeah. And part of the appeal is the fact that they come with okay, they're crappy accessories in random colors and they're oversized. But I can't help but be swept up by the idea that you get blind bagged accessories like things that like, aren't visible in the package and i'm like i like that i like this i like that i can still be open to this idea that i'm not completely cynical and adult that like the thought of getting something bonus that you don't know what you're going to get has on me like i like that i'm taken in by this concept so mm. i think i think it might have its place in action figure collecting everywhere to get like a little something, something. I mean, Mike, you mentioned a radio. Right. Paul, I think you mentioned like a can of beer. Just these little packings. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably that's a, the, a that's the fun of mystery minis. Mystery minis. Mm. I don't know if you heard of those. Um, sure. Yeah, these kids open up these eggs or whatever, and you don't know what you're gonna get. You can get a little miniature, um, like bag of chips. You can get a miniature little, <laughs> like I don't know, like I said, like a radio, headphones, um, like little miniature brand names stuff like that i know what you mean like that's that's the new thing nowadays just make it a little cool. mystery but oh, it's not a new thing at all i mean back in the day we had monster in my pockets i don't know what the previous generation had but like yeah it's Garbage exciting kids cards absolutely we've got a question from spoon killer though mike how much continuity do you have between your videos do you work towards a larger story arc Mm. Dum, dum, dum. meaning do i want to create more in the future like like how far are you building towards something i think yeah. i I'll, I'll how do they the bread connect crumbs. to each other the, yeah, the videos I, themselves i try to leave breadcrumbs here and there especially in kamakura um i definitely am uh, leading toward something big um i hinted a couple of things in the kamakura film such as uh serpentor coming soon um mm. it's not going to be mm. for a while but if I'm I can, uh, <laughs> yeah, part two, like part two can go either horribly wrong or the most amazing thing you've ever seen compared to the first one. Like I want to make part two juicy. I want to have more vehicles. I want to have more characters, more, uh, you know, continuation with the story, more comedy. So part two, I'm definitely working toward. It's just going to be a very long process because one, I got to wait for the figures to come out. I pre-ordered most of them, um, and and I think it's two, June, just, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The season, the season, like this summer, um, I'm hoping to get a couple of water shots at the beach, you know, with the boat, mm. a nice hot day, and then like as it comes close to winter, I got snowy, uh, snowy mountains, um, have a nice snake eye scene in the snow, like stuff like that. You got to wait for for seasons. So, um, to answer your question, yes, I'm definitely working towards something big. And along the way, I plan to do little tiny snippets with, uh, you know, characters themselves. Um, I'm trying to work on something with Bazooka right now. Um, putting that Very together. nice. Just to give you guys something to watch along the way and keep you, uh, keep you in tune with these characters. Cool, man. You've got a great handle on the character. 
he's not a buffoon. He's like he's the the man, actually. Yeah. But has a great flair for comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted point. him to be the just the ch- the layback. You know, he's he's built. He's scary. He's cool. But I wanted the, him to be also the comedic relief and someone you can relate to as well. So um, I, I plan to do that with Bazooka and in, in his little uh, his little short film I'm I'm working on. So you guys will love that one. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move the agenda on, gentlemen? Uh, we, we, we're on borrowed time with you, Mike, so we're going to use you as much as possible. Which would you like to talk about first? We like to talk about G.I. Joe cartoons with G.I. Joe media on, on the podcast these days. We're doing a reread of the classic series. We're doing a reread of the IDW st- series. But alongside that, we're watching the Sunbow classic A-Raw cartoons and the 2010 and 11's uh, G.I. Joe Renegades. So, what are you in the mood for talking about first? Ooh. Episode four of Renegades, Dreadnoughts Rising, or Cobra Stops the World? I'm still in the middle of Dreadnoughts. Oh, I'm sorry, not Dreadnoughts, uh, Renegades. Mm. Sunbow, I am totally 100% up for first. I love Sunbow, man. I can yeah. watch it. Yeah. Beauty. Yeah, you're talking my language. We normally save our, um, our dessert for after we've taken our medicine. But <laughs> in this case, we'll lead with the glorious Sunbow episode, Cobra Stops the World. Guys, right out the gates, I think this episode has it all. Um, it's as grounded a plot as you're likely to get in original series G.I. Joe. I feel mm. like Cobra's plot makes sense. They want to choke the world's energy supply. And to do this, they've staged attacks on oil fields and, I suppose, power stations. But also, they've got a fleet of tankers with essential oil that they've... <laughs> Can, Not anyone that that. Can anyone explain... Can anyone explain this part of the plot to me, though? They've, they've, they've somehow made this fleet of tankers disappear using a cloaking device that is powered with diamonds. And then they remote detonate them one at a time on the hour, every hour, to kind of up the stakes. But, like, wh- why did they need to cloak them in the first place? I mean, if they've somehow got a way of making them explode, uh, what's with the cloaking device? I know it kind of sets up the... The, the urgency to find where these tankers are, but like, uh, I don't know. It's it's overly compl- com- complicated as it should be, I suppose. Well, the thing is, like, Cobra Commander's taken off uh, all the pieces of the board, with the exception of those uh, tankers. So the thing is, uh, allowing the enemy, uh, aka everybody else in the board, to get hold of those tankers means he loses his trump card. He loses, he loses his, um, you know, yeah, he, he he just loses. Like he'll lose. So keeping them invisible is it plays to his strengths. It, it's got everybody looking for them uh, and like in a frenzy. So I think that's actually quite a clever strategy. Well, I'll tell you the strategy about looking for the tankers themselves and more like GI Joe tracking down leads to to interrogate to find out where these tankers are. Anyways, guys, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mike, what was your right. first impression of this episode, man? Oh my goodness, you're not going to believe me, but I have not gotten to. Ca- catch this one i haven't been able to catch this one, so. oh, no spoilers well, yeah, you're gonna, gonna want it. yeah you're gonna there's... enjoy listening to us talk about it then. oh my god there's, yeah there's so many um sunbow series that i'm still working through because hmm. i don't always get the uh the tv in the room um when uh... i watch sunbow i have to watch it on my 4k tv the giant screen to yes, have please. those characters yes, blown up 
So yeah, I haven't gotten through all of them, but I'm working my way up there. So this one's new to me. Hell yeah. So well, uh, an interesting. Who... All right. Yep. Yeah. Go for, no, no, go for it. I just, I thought I know, you were going to rock the summary. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, yeah, the summary. No, I, I didn't do any summary. I thought we were just talking about it now. <laughs> well, cool, man. I think well, so, Steven summarized it, you know. Kind of, kind uh, of. Yeah, Cobra Stops the World. It's in the title. Um, exactly. And they do it by using $1 billion worth of diamonds to blow up $100 million worth of oil, as Spoon Killer puts it in the comments. It's an it's interesting it. bit of economy, but hey, guys, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know this. Uh, it was pointed out to me by another YouTube channel, uh, the Weekly Planet, the other day, that diamonds are artificially rare. Like it's De Beers that holds huge yep. diamond stockpiles. They are a lot more common than yep. we led to believe. Like it's, yep. it's, a, it's a yeah, artificial maybe scarcity. now, but back in the eighties, you know, you really had to struggle <laughs> to find them. You have to go to South America. And the blue diamond that whole the whole thing is blue diamonds. That's also bullshit. That that mm -hmm. yeah, because they they actually make them that way. They make them. They Damn man. So we are sweating for engagement rings. And meanwhile, these things are <laughs> common AF. Um, so yes, the, what really excites me about this episode is is how you get broken down into small teams and they each have separate objectives. Really, really love some underwater action with Deep Six and Torpedo. They seem to yes. have discovered a Cobra like floating headquarters. Glorious design. Only gets used in this episode. But it's this big dome thing that's standing out of the water. Very Bond villain-esque. And they assault it with a lone shark. Amazing. Succeed, in fact. Torpedo fires a explosive torpedo not torpedo <laughs> hilariously cobra are trying to kill this lone frogman with torpedoes <laughs> torpedo that torpedo but yes torpedo's got an explosive spear which he times just right as the torpedo tube opens he fires it in and the thing starts to ex explode and sink very cool cobra's evacuating um love that sequence similarly that's very funny yeah well surprisingly had... so no, guys, you have to understand that I think Larry, he forgot that he set Torpedo as a really cold fish in the file card in 1983 because he came up with the, practically the same character trait with Deep Six the very next year when writing the file card. So if you're going on the file card information, Maybe obviously these guys... Like Marines. The I Navy. Think, I, think, I think that's what's going on here. Their home is not the a fan of the I, I think the cartoon, because it had both of these characters at its... At, well, almost at the start. Um, characterizing Torpedo as a, a fun-loving, like, surfer dude, that tracks. I like that. It does differentiate the two. So, um, I, I buy that. I'm here for Dog that. Dog agrees. Okay. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I, I think one of the funniest things about this episode is that Cobra is a uh, Cobra Commander is an idiot. It's, it's amazing how somebody, like, can have such a brilliant strategy but then be so dumb at the same time. And that's kind of the charm of, of Sunbow's Cobra Commander. Because, you know, he's won. Within the first three minutes of that episode, he's won. He's got the world by the balls. Like, he doesn't have to do anything. Like, his whole plot is like, I'm going to seize, destroy all the oil fields, destroy that. Then I'm going to, like, take the last few remaining oil tankers and hold the world by its nuts. And then I'm <laughs> going to use it to take over the world. I'm like, dude, you've already done that. You've yeah. actually done what hundreds of thousands of capitalists before you have tried to do and failed. 
you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> but alas, there he goes. He, Sooner I, or later, he's gonna fall off that mountain. He just when you want more, you're gonna fall off. And that's yeah, that's Cobra Commander. He's you've had he's enough. Such a but <laughs> how cool is the artificial city, like that floating city of Cobra? Oh, very cool. Oh, I love this that great, so much. this great throwaway design all over the place. For one episode alone, Cobra has this amazing snake-headed uh, monolith with these triangular doors and like hangar um, uh, doors. <laughs> They're both doors um, to deploy his <laughs> tanks and fangs. That's a great bit of design. That's where Cobra's hanging their hat that particular episode. Um, but there is like an A plot, B plot, and C plot as we follow our heroes trying to find information on where Cobra stashed the tankers. Duke and Ace are flying high over the, the jungle. It's, it's just the jungle. <laughs> I love how cartoons kind of simplify these locations to just like their topographies. Kind of like George Lucas. Uh, Endor, the forest planet. Uh, Tatooine, the desert planet. Anyway, you get the picture. So yep, they yep. find... What they they're shot down basically. Oh, chalk up another sky striker lost by Ace. I swear he's got the worst track record, and he's the pilot. The but pilot. they they find themselves a Cobra. Well, it's, it's a it's a it's a indigenous village that has been transformed into a diamond mine, where Major Blood <laughs> is overseeing. Do. Yeah, of course, <laughs> overseeing God, the extraction of all the diamonds that uh, power Cobra Commander's uh, MacGuffin for the episode. I really like the fact that they call back to an earlier jet design. Like there's a row of rattlers, but kicking off the row of, of aircraft is actually a what they call a Cobra Diamondback, which is a toy that, mm. well, it's not a toy, never saw production. But in the mass device, it opens with Cobra assaulting a G.I. Joe airbase and Major Blood and the rest of the Cobra pilots are flying these very sleek Delta Wing fighters that have been called the Diamondbacks. And I love the fact that two years later, perhaps even more, they've reintroduced this design <laughs> and then destroy it with extreme prejudice as Duke rams it into the mouth of the diamond mine. I mean, surely a few of the innocent indigenous personnel might have been caught in that explosion. Kind of reckless there, Duke. It's okay. <laughs> parachutes that protect them from explosions right that's the that explosion happened the parachute deploys they <laughs> safe man they get blown off the the cliff face uh and land harmlessly in in water yeah Oof. with no sharks yeah. or yeah um oh man um how cool is that infiltration a scarlet's infiltration <laughs> into that cobra face oh it's so good the third part of this G.I. Joe assault is Scarlet heading to like a Cobra safe house uh, alone, no backup um, on her Ram cycle. And then she arrives there in Mufti, like incognito, dressed up as a granny. And <laughs> like she kicks a, a tray of like tea as she busts into the place and she says, No thanks, I'm hungry for information. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. And then oh throw a God. table at her. I mean, God, like, it's funny. It's amazing. I love it. She's yeah. so, so competent and so mouthy at the same time. I think, like, I love Scarlet in ways that I don't think I could connect with any of the like the male characters or Snake Eyes for that matter, because um, he's not a male, of course. Uh, <laughs> where am I going with that? Um, Scarlet is just awesome. 
awesome awesome it's great to see her like <laughs> doing a solo thing like that exactly yeah. it's I wanna, so I comic book like her scarlet oh, yeah 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 scarlet um i want that's another thing i plan to do with her too like i want to explore like her side of like her acrobatics her weapon that she uses and speaking of this scene i'm like i said i didn't miss this one but i'm trying to go along as you guys are mentioning these scenes and i've seen yeah she busts in she whoops all their asses there's about maybe like six troopers in there i bringing this up i think i'm going to do something like this too i want like this reminds me of the the Batman scene in Batman vs Superman where he just destroys all those bad guys in the warehouse. So I might yeah. do something like this with Scarlet. So that's my that's my that's my little two cents on this. But yeah, as you guys are mentioning these scenes, I'm watching them. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> I, I I might have mentioned it before, but I think like the the females in GI Joe had to be these all rounders because there's so few mm. of them. So with Scarlet, you've got so many dimensions. You've got someone who could fly the jet, someone who looks at home in the kind of the intelligence briefing scene, someone who looks incredible in combat, doing acrobatic stuff, gunplay stuff, like martial arts stuff. She works. Um, and then, you know, might, might be going out on a limb here, but this is an 80s, like, tune concept when, you know, men were men and they couldn't show too much emotion. The females, you have license to have an emotional dimension as well, mm. uh, which is, ah, man, as I say, all-rounders, pal. Dig, dig, also, dig those characters. And don't you dig how, like, Scarlet is kind of low-key annoyed uh, in the beginning of that episode? So they're all like, Cobra's done this, and, oh, no, what is it? Like, what's Cobra doing this with? And she's like, oh, it's a satellite that makes things invisible. I mean, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? didn't you read the briefing that I typed up for you, Duke? No, of course he didn't. He's man of action. Exactly, and I love that because, like, and and I and I dig that because it's kind of got a little bit of a a, a subplot, or maybe like some uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just feel like there's somebody, a production member on the team there that was like, "Yeah, women are just not listened to," and I want to put that in there as a <laughs> bit of a gag or something, you know. Which I appreciate. I thought that was really. Oh, I I picked up on it. Maybe maybe that's just also a sign of the times that we're living in today that we appreciate those nuances a bit more now that we are a bit more sophisticated as a species. I don't know, God, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, cool character. There was, uh, there was something I wanted to say about Deep Six as well. Oh, um, really enjoyed. Like I know that you enjoyed the underwater sequences as well, Steve. But I really enjoyed that. Like they kind of went quite agile with his suit. I, 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 yes, make the, the action figure do things that the plastic mm. cannot. Mm. But just mm. cool. I, I appreciate that. That's cool. I mean, why not like transcend the limitations of the plastic and show this to be a dynamic character? Because Deep Six goes full-on Berserker Edge down there. Um, mm. There are a gaggle of eels that attack him and Torpedo with a sound weapon. And Deep Six playing to his character of like wanting his solitude he's like i like it quiet down here and then just <laughs> lunges into them it's yeah it, it's character stuff and it's also action beat um how oh man the, the, the succinct way they managed to convey so much in a 22 minute cartoon it's a it's a master class man i really really yeah. really think that these cartoons have supreme watchability um 
even as an adult. Like, and I want a Sparks figure, man. Yes, Sparks and Colonel Sharp are two non-figure characters are busy trying to crack Cobra's signal to try and track it back to them in spite of the cloaking. And they, they have to do it every time Cobra decides to blow up a tanker because Cobra's doing it remotely so they can kind so of So they have to the allow them to explode basically half the world's supply of oil to be able to stop <laughs> them. That's and a also, man. Great plan. <laughs> who, who is the character that is doing all of this technical work? I, I, I heard his name a bunch of times, but I couldn't quite catch it because he doesn't Sparks. feel like an actual Joe. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I don't know Who's what the story the... is there. Maybe there was a miscommunication <laughs> in the kind of the design phase that G.I. Joe didn't have a techie guy. I mean, we all know it's Breaker, but maybe back then, like, the animators fascinating. The designers on I the mean, show he... decided we needed to make an, an original character. <sighs> yeah. It's a, good, it's a strong design. Like, it certainly no, has more cool. going for it I mean, than the has... OG-13 guys. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, they can probably incorporate him you know, they could have, yeah, I mean, I feel like he's kind of like a, the earlier dial tone, kind of, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And mainframe rolled into one. And mainframe, yeah. What about, isn't there a, correct me if I'm wrong, microchip? Isn't there one? Sure. Not um, at that point, I think. Hard drive? Some hard drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, eventually we, we get tech. like a whole bunch of like techie characters, but back, There's Demon back then and in the firewall. 80s, like, was Breaker and... It was basically Breaker. Dalton. Breaker, mm. Dalton. Well, Dalton came in, what, 1988? Six. Six? Six, yeah. Mm. Mainframe so is 84 or 85. Like I say, these specialties kind of existed in the OG-13. Like, you could say Flash is a techie guy. Mm. Breaker, obviously, a communications guy. But somewhere along the line, someone made the decision, let's make a dedicated dude who's at the desk in the communications room with Colonel Sharp. Let's make a new character. Uh, I can't. I can't blame them. I mean, Sparks has had a kind of soft entry into GI Joe mythology. If you count Devil's Due as canon, um, there was an issue or two, I think, of a declassified comic book. I'm probably getting this all wrong, but yes, he's <laughs> definitely been worked into a comic book run as a Joe. But the, the yeah, the canonical nature of that is is in dispute at the moment, I suppose. Guys, I'm going to give this a 5 out of 5. I think the first 5 out of wow. 5 for a Sunbow cartoon show. I love everything about it. This, the individual teams, the Duke and Ace, um, Scarlet on her own, and then the, the underwater stuff with Deep Six and Torpedo is great. It all comes together with a huge battle. So this episode does have it all. The subtler stuff, the more overt stuff. We've got whales, we've got sky strikers, we've got sharks, we've got everyone pouring it onto this Cobra base. Cobra retaliating with, with fangs and with his tanks. And I love how the his tanks, like they elevate their cannons all the way up. I think the toy, mm -hmm. if your, your pins aren't broken, can do that kind of elevation. So it is an anti aircraft cannon. Um, but you've then got your pins are broken. Even. Yeah, true. <laughs> and for one very quick shot, they've got a Cobra his tank driver. That was a thrill. Yes, that, that was surprising. Yeah, a nice close-up of a his tank driver in a, a his cockpit. That's yeah, you don't end. see that in every episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they really spent time on it. It was lovely. It was a close-up. It was very well embellished, considering how short the the shot was. Blink and you miss it, but the animators did it, so I appreciate. Um, 
I'm so glad that you gave it five out of five. Thank you, man. You <laughs> I mean, I didn't make it, but I, I just love that you love it as much as I do because I also want to give it five out of five. There's one knock. It's the fact that <laughs> oh, bravo, Paul. The, the only low point I'm going to list is like for me, the, the the plot being as convoluted as it was, kind of took away. I was like, in the middle of a cartoon, which I shouldn't have to do. I was asking like, okay, why why do they need the diamonds? And then and then why do they need the cloaking device? Because uh, because why don't they just blow up? You know, if they've got all the oil reserves and everything, like on speed dial with an explosive, why all the extra stuff? But this is Sunbow. This is the 80s. It's glorious. Rob, what's your rating? Uh, I thought it was pretty brilliant. I think overall, yeah, it kind of, you get into the action real fast. You know, they just set it up like in the little intro sequence. Um, of course, we have to have savage people in there once again, like every other episode recently. Um, yeah. God. But yeah, like the it's cool that they have like different action se sequences going on, and and the variety of the action is is really awesome. The Scarlet doing her own thing, the the jet fights. Um, I really, yeah, I think overall it's cool. I don't know if I give a five out of five though. Oh, I feel like I feel like you're cliche, <laughs> cliche canyon chase. You know, Ace, it's too narrow. And he, puts the, the the jet on a dime basically and the cobra guy goes like very empire strikes back so <laughs> cool well i i'm gonna leave space for improvement i'm gonna get a 4.5 right. because i i don't like four sparky. point sparky <laughs> you don't sparky. like sparky i don't like him. i was just like who are you you could have been anyone else but what's cool about the episode i mean if you if you notice the writer of the episode is steve gerber or gerber i guess steve um gerber, yeah he was actually the creator of Howard the Duck at mm -hmm. Marvel Comics, and he did an exceptionally long um, and prolific run of um, what was it, Man Thing? I think it was the Man Thing oh, wow. as well at, at Marvel Comics. Um, and he actually did a lot of um, he did an episode of Star Trek: Exploration called Contagion. He was co-wrote that, and was he oh, the story him? editing? Yes, that's Crazy. him. He did the episode Contagion, and he was oh, a wow. story editor for both Transformers. As well as Jaja and the Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoons. Oh wow! So he's he's quite a he's, he was he was quite a big guy in in, in his time. Um, and I think that that speaks. If you watch the episode, I think a lot of the humor is, is it hits. Um, very well written episode. Damn! So look out for his name on future episodes. Shit! Thanks for well, the deep cut, Rob. That's cool, man. Nice. Yeah. I we perhaps do need to focus a little bit more on the creators because, yeah, it's a different team each time. So we can yeah, necessarily see whose tastes line up with what writer. Oh, that's actually a good idea. There's also Rob, some I'm Bruce gonna... Tim stuff oh, really? in there as well. Yeah, oh, Bruce Tim, wow. I think he worked on the miniseries and he did one or two episodes before finally like, leaving. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, he just, he, he's just one of those guys he, he's just like i can make a better cartoon i can make a better cartoon and then you know what he did he made a better cartoon you know so i want to shall we move the agenda on gentlemen it's it's time to after our dessert take our medicine still works i guess rob do you want to talk to us a little bit about episode four Castor of oil <laughs> oh, gi joe renegades entitled dreadnoughts rising so Dreadnought's Rising, basically, the G.I. Joe team is the, the regular Joes are still on the run. Um, and this time they come to a town that's been terrorized by a, a, a biker gang 
led by the, a very generic Zartan. Um, and then the Joes kind of like decide that they have to help out because Tanorat was bullied in school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's very sad. Bullying is just, you know, it's not a laughing matter, but I mean, at least they kind of decide to help out. And they just, you know, they do something. But of course, Scarlet doesn't care about people getting bullied. So she's like, <laughs> we got to move on. Leave them to be bullied and life, ridiculed. Life is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, this is the most generic episode of the series that I've watched so far. And it's also yeah. the most um, A-team episode so far too. Down to them creating traps that they use to kind of like thwart the this the generic biker gang basically um, rallying the entire town against the biker gang in the space of time it takes for the bikers to ride from their motel into the heart of town <laughs> like yeah I, you, I, you you got it there's like a little se- you know, a little like sequence um a montage sequence and he's like teaching them how to punch he's like yeah you got <laughs> Dude's it teaching a guy how to punch like he's not quite getting everyone it right, but at least in, the, in, the car in salesman minutes? gets it he's like i get it i saw you do it I can do it too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do I oh, move my know. hands? I've never done this so, before. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm not very impressed by this oh, episode. God. I mean, I think the snake really? eye sequences were Carry pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> the snake eye sequences were pretty cool. Um, but I mean, that that's what he's there for, to look really awesome and come out, come out of nowhere all the time. At least mm-hmm. by the episode, he has a cool bike. So that, that's kind of cool. It is yeah. the renegade style for all of GHO to be kind of watered down and made realistic and made more generic and made part of a real world mm-hmm. with a view to, I guess, becoming more colorful when GI Joe actually becomes a thing and takes mm-hmm. on Cobra as part of its mission statement. But, you know, I'm going to keep coming back to this. In hindsight, we never got that season two. The thing that they're building towards with all this foundation work we never get so we have to judge this on what we got and what we got as you say rob is a very generic sartan but spun out from that a very generic set of dreadnoughts like i like the fact that there's a bit of diversity you know it's not a whitewashed dreadnoughts group that's fantastic mm-hmm. but i mean they name drop only one character and that's buzzer everyone else if you if you can make them out by their signature weapons maybe you've got a chance but yeah, everyone else is like there's a yeah. guy with a black shirt and there's a guy with a black like cut off sleeve vest over a white shirt and a black hat. There's a guy with a white beard. There's a guy with a cinder block hammer. You know, <laughs> they, they're so generic. And that's such a departure from the colorful band of thugs that the Dreadnoughts were in the 80s. And I feel like if you take that away, you've got very little to go on. Like it's just dull as mud. Yeah, they really did... Um rob the the dreadnoughts <laughs> what makes them cool sorry rob but they, did. they they took all the flourish they took all the the greatness of the dreadnoughts in fact i have up until this point i've uh, sort of praised a lot of the character design because i'm a big fan of the the character designer for this uh series mm. but while i don't know like <laughs> i hate what he did to the dreadnoughts and and I and I remember when when this episode first came out many years ago, uh, yeah, the the community was like up in arms. We were like, "The hell, like, what is this shit?" You know, like they obviously don't like the dreadnoughts, as, you know, about as much as I don't like them. So, yeah, uh, uh, Rob Rob wrote them. 
but sorry about that Paul. no it's okay it's just like this whole sons of anarchy kind of well pre because obviously sons of anarchy wasn't a thing but just that whole approach is just so stupid it's i don't know it just felt very uh what's that old patrick swayze movie with the biker gangs roadhouse is it roadhouse no it's not roadhouse it just reminded me of that i was like dudes no yeah <laughs> like, yeah these are, these are gonna be great action figures <laughs> yeah the sunbow series uh, I, I definitely go with the uh the dreadnoughts from sunbow way more than these renegades ones i mean it, like i feel like the characters are just watered down a lot with the design like mm. dreadnoughts like you need those shades they were wearing in the classic one those big thick you know uh what do they look like uh like like snow like the snow shades. What, what do you what do you call the them? Snow shades oh, with rap, aviators. goggles. Right. Yes. Like the come on, man. You should you could have kept with those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's 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 a little too beige for my liking, which is a shame. Um, particularly in the character of Zartan, guys. And this is my major like overarching critique of of this episode. Um, is like Zartan is not, in my mind, first and foremost, a, a dreadnought. Like the, the the dreadnoughts are his band of thugs, which he uses for like sort of low level assignments. Mm. But mm-hmm. the the Zed children, Zartan, Zarana, Z- uh, Zandor, almost blanked on the name. How very in character! Um, mm. <laughs> they are something above that. They are something special. Like this is this is a weird take to have Zartan as like this bully and thug first and foremost. I'm like no. He's more nuanced. Like Zartan, at his core, is a chameleon. He's a he, he's he's almost a thespian. He was almost an actor in his kind of like like Shakespearean nature. Um, mm. He's he's dramatic. He's he's mysterious. He's sneaky. He's he's somewhat uh, superhuman in some some respects. Whereas this Zartan, and once again, we'll 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 add more strings to his bow later. But I prefer those to already be in in this character when we meet him, than for him to kind of develop them into the show. It's it's well, a weird left turn for me. There's a little bit of it in there, you know, where he kind of like it doesn't feel it, it what well, doesn't feel terribly important, but he kind of he does have a line when he's like interrogating or trying to interrogate Snake Eyes, where he's like, "You're not giving me anything, you know. I need to be able to take something from the people that I." Uh, Oh, because Snake Eyes doesn't speak. Yeah, because he doesn't speak. You're not giving me something I can take from you. You know, because mm. he feels like he needs to take something from the people that he, you know, puts down. Um, and they hint at his abilities by having him throw his voice. Like, he can oh, yeah. impersonations. Which, I mean, <laughs> nice try, guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's cute. But, like, Zartan's abilities are beyond just doing impersonations. Mm, of course. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a difficult sell for me to see him as a biker first, but maybe maybe the in the untold story of Zartan, he was that at first. I know there was a an issue. I think in the eighties of the comic book run where we see Zartan, the hitman, being approached by Cobra Commander, and he's in a bar. He's got a ponytail, um, and I suppose it, it he could have been a dreadnought ish adjacent character <laughs> back then i but remember like, like a gi joe origins or something having that kind of backstory to him no it was an error cobra commander approaches him to to make the hit sure. on snake eyes so yeah. glad we're rereading those books um, <laughs> 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 but 
yeah like like that's that's actually the one thing in the show i did appreciate is that this character they call zartan has this interesting quirk of wanting to take something that belongs to someone else so it gives layers to that character in the sense that you know i asked myself like wonder why what was taken from him that he feels he needs to take these little bits back or like mm. has he got a, a some kind of like I don't want to call it a mental disability, but like a challenge in the form of like OCD or whatever. And like that got me like my brain turning and thinking. And, and then it all came back to Zartan, a gang, a, a biker. And I was like, this doesn't fit. Like if they had yeah. given that quality to a Zartan that looks like the Zartan that we are familiar with, mm. then I would have gone, hey, cool. That's that's a little bit cannibal Lecter, uh, Hannibal Lecter-ish, uh, you know, and I like that. That's cool. But yeah, just ugh. something like also, Resolute did. Yeah, mm. exactly like Resolute did. Resolute you know? didn't have the time to do anything else. Like Resolute was like, we need to make things as impactful as possible. All these characters are fully evolved. Yeah. Like I can appreciate what Renegades is trying to do. It's doing the slow build. And in doing so, they're trying to build in a very mature approach to these characters, a very grounded, believable uh, evolution. But it's... Mm doesn't necessarily make for the most interesting or entertaining cartoon mm. in the moment. Um, <laughs> and Spoonkiller very timelessly says, how cold was Scarlet to let this poor cop fight Zartan, a highly trained stone-cold killer? Absolutely <laughs> right. The, the heart and soul of this episode is the sheriff of the town who finally grows a backbone and in front of his lady... Um, decides to stand up to Zartan. And Scarlet's like, no, let him let him have this fight. Don't help him. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been yeah. a disgustingly like egg-on-the-face moment if Zartan had wiped the floor with this guy and everyone just stood around watching? They're like, uh. He should have been able to. Oh, guess we got to kill him now. Should we step in? He has, I mean, but that's kind of like that. He is like bigger than, larger than life. He's like, this, you know, when someone stands up to you, you have to hit them back even harder so that they don't stand up to you again. Mm. Yeah, you know, he has all of the ideas so and things that work for him as a as a biker dude. You know, he knows what to do, but it's like, how do you not take down the donut eating cock dude? Well, this <laughs> because the story <laughs> needs him not to be taken down. That's why. Uh, it should have yeah. been a very, very brutal, like sad scene. Like the guy gets killed, and then like Scarlet's like, oh. So, well, I guess that, that was the wrong decision. That was the, that was the wrong play. Um, I like the subtext, uh, and once again, I could be reading too deep into this, but I like the subtext of the real problem with the small town is not Zartan attacking it, it's with the sheriff himself. And mm. the fact that the sheriff is actually just shit scared of things that are bigger than him and also hasn't actually, you know, gone through the right sort of uh, steps to, to protect his town and to actually have, you know, law and order in his town. So, these guys are running rampant and, and then he takes credit from later in the series. <laughs> <laughs> but but he does, he takes a lot of credit. I, I just felt at the end of the episode, even though they kind of let him like have that last punch, it's like, yeah, it's like the mayonnaise jar, man. Everybody in the family's trying to open it, and the last person's like, Hey, I got it, you know. That's and then and then he's freaking sheriff. Like what? Well, my favorite moment is like he's like he's like doling out all the items that, that Sartan took from them. You know, so like, oh, here's your little badge. You know, I got <laughs> yes. my hat back. You got your glasses. And then, so, yes, now he can see so much easier, like how blown up his gas station is. 
Exactly. And now the other guy can remember his name. <laughs> and <laughs> and what the hell was his impression, uh, his intention by handing his girl back the hair that Zartan had slipped That's off her so head? That's so weird. Like, that is weird. I believe this is yours. Like, what did <laughs> it do? Glue it back on? What the hell, man? <laughs> Anybody got the memory? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so there are little part. moments that are funny or like suggest more, you know. But it's not enough to kind of make the entire episode entertaining. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, like there are like little bits where you're like, oh, that's really funny, or like, oh, that you know, you've done something cool with Zartan, you know, that'll become something else. But yeah, it's too it's too far before where the interesting stuff will happen. Like mm. we're way too ahead of the art you know, in, in the origin story to be to to have the interesting stuff. But there are some shining lights. I yeah. I think the writing is on point as always uh, in just conveying believable character types acting mm -hmm. believably in realistic situations, realistic enough. Um, yeah. But and also love the, the humor touches. I mean, they walk into a uh, a diner, and they like roadblock roadblock asks, "How's the apple pie? Homemade?" <laughs> and the veteran <laughs> says, "Better, oh, even, even better, Cobra brand." And Duke and Roadblock are like, pass. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, there's definitely proof that Roadblock uh, is not a chef uh, in this series or any kind of gourmand because he likes his steak or he likes his barbecue well done. Gross. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, gross. I don't know. Bloody uh, at the least. Oh, yeah, geez. Like, no, it must. No. And, yeah. um, and also... Uh, I love that whole thing with uh, Tunnel Rat. So this is a, quite a, a, a smart bit of writing, you know, just uh, like to trigger your viewer. But they they like all like, oh, please let us in, pretty please. And then they all get in and then Tunnel Rat's like an asshole, you know? <laughs> so immediately you go, wow, Tunnel Rat's such a dick. And then they get into their little van later and they're going back and then blah, blah, blah. And then Tunnel Rat, you know, does a U-turn and you're like, oh, Tunnel Rat's awesome. Scott, it's a dick. <laughs> it's very clever. Like it, it's 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 very, in my opinion, very smart to, to be able to play with your viewers' emotions like that, um, and and handle it the way that they did. It's just it was just a bit obvious for me in this episode. So question for the class. Did hmm. Snake Eyes deliberately get get captured by the Dreadnoughts? And when Zartan pulls off Snake Eyes' visor, what do you reckon he sees? Because he quickly puts it back on. He's like, oh, no, you can keep that. Oof. <laughs> a man filled with pain? I don't know. That's that's a... I wonder why they didn't say Maybe the scar on his eye? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> or is he so hideously scarred? I mean, that's the way it's been played in a number of other instances. That, like, mm. like Snake Eyes is so messed up that it's actually off-putting to see the face. Oh, yeah. But then, then we've, unfortunately, like, the expectation um, or the... the, the uh, the uh, reality does not match up to the expectation because you expect this to be like oozing pus, but then in any kind of artist rendering of it, it's yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a scarred it's face. It's still bad. pretty palatable. Yeah, it's, it's like okay. I mean, sure, I Zartan like, is a big tough guy. He's seen worse scars or injuries. I don't know. I was thinking like tickle me Elmo eyes or Cookie Monster <laughs> eyes, but like you can keep that. like like literally these like googly eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe he was cross-eyed for a minute. He's like, "Oh shit, I don't, I don't really put that back on." He's like, yeah, no, no. 
Spoon, Spoon Killer adds to that. How do we even know that we've seen Zartan's real face? Maybe he's just as scarred as Snake Eyes. Good point. I, I don't know. I think at this point, like, he's not a master of disguise. This is still way too early yeah. in his, he's more his evolution. Into the he's just a master of those guys. That's all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> those eight other dudes. Those eight um, other dudes. High point for me in the episode. Snake Eyes, as you mentioned, Paul, has some great choreography toward the end. He drops into the splits and cuts. Hmm. I'm going to call him Torch because... They don't name drop him, but he's got the flamethrower. He quickly cuts the fuel line on mm. the torch. So that was pretty slick. And then, you know, the subsequent, like, and the dreadnoughts are dicks. Like, you, you're made to feel like these guys really need to be, you know, handed out some, some five-finger justice. Um, so Snake Eyes <laughs> does that very efficiently. Um, and it's the, the one moment where you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Let them be outclassed completely. It does also wag the finger to like, why are the Dreadnoughts in Cobra at all anyway in classic G.I. Joe when one guy, one Joe can just wipe the floor with him? You're finally coming around to my side. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily <laughs> even have to be Snake Eyes. Like the Joes have guns, okay? And the Dreadnoughts have a guy with a green mohawk and swords. I mean, come on. And they're in America. Remember that too. So I don't know why the Dreadnoughts don't have guns. Just oh well, let me rephrase. The GI Joe have team have like these laser squirt guns that shoot blue goo. I don't know. I don't know the guns. I've never liked the guns in Renegades. This is no secret to anyone. Okay, um, score wise, it's it's a it's it's a weak one for me. Unfortunately, it just doesn't play to my what I enjoy in GI Joe. As yeah. as strongly written as the characters may be, this is not a GI Joe cartoon for me. It's GI Joe placeholders in like an A team knockoff. Uh, so mm. it's it's a it's a two out of five. Wow. wow. With this, uh, with this, well, I'll let you guys do your ratings first. But... No, Mike, please speak up, man. With I've this, the mic way too much. So, I like I like the way they did it. Like they're in a they're in a small town, like Dreadnoughts taking over and stuff. And speaking of, you know, my bazooka short film it's funny because this is exactly the type of story i'm kind of working on too is yeah I want fishing the bazooka. To be involved um and i want a guy like bazooka to be able to you know throw dukes with these guys and and, and maybe come in contact with mike them gets it in, in a small town like let's say like okay i don't want to give too much away but let's just say like the story is what i'm thinking is let's say bazooka bazooka wants a pto day right he wants to go out he wants to have a day to himself Let's let's explore Bazooka and see what he likes to do for fun besides you know watch football and stuff. Fishing. He yeah, fishing. You know, he goes to this small town and he ends up like little by little running into these these guys, these these like dreadnoughts that are taking over the town. You know, they're they're leaving their markings, they're they're you know uh, messing with people, and and maybe this town is secretly infiltrated by Cobra. It's ran by Cobra, and Bazooka's figuring that out through the story. Oh my god! Yes, carry on. (laughs) And, and and eventually it happens like something's fishy going on here and the dreadnoughts end up making their their appearance and boom like we get to the story from there so it's funny we brought this episode up because this is kind of what i'm fishing for with the, bazooka with the and Lebanek. yeah hell yeah maybe bazooka bazooka and gets Lebanek caught Lebanek up and... solving small problems small town <laughs> problems every day sorry carry on <laughs> Yeah, Bazooka, let's say he gets caught up with these guys, but he needs some help, man. He can't do it alone. Maybe he's got to 
calling a few good friends, good Joes. Fisherman uh, Livenick. Yeah. Sorry, it's Hell Safari yeah. Livenick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But classified I just hasn't, to hasn't run that deep, Paul. Classified has not run that deep. I know, we don't have Levenick yet. Not we need to drive yet. in, dude. Well, no, Fisherman, Bazooka, and what was it? Safari Pants, Levenick? So yeah. Paul's re- referencing some, like, 1993 Battle Call renditions of classic characters, which are a little off the beaten track, if I do say so myself. Mm. Which I've, which I've like, like, jokingly, but kind of semi-seriously now written into... Pretty much the exact same kind of plot plotting that you've got now. It's like they're in a small town where they're not expecting anything to happen, and then stuff happens, and then they, you know, like and this is kind of done like tongue in cheek to help redeem these characters in one of our earlier episodes. And I wish I could remember which one so that I could point you in that direction. Mm-hmm. So when you're telling saying all of this stuff about Bazooka, I'm like, yes, I love yeah. this. Bazooka, yeah, this is. I want to bring Bazooka to life. Is kind of like a. Like this, the the feel of the movie. I want it to be like a wild Dukes of Hazard type of feel, where like he's he's on his day off and his like muscle car, or something like I really want to make Bazooka Pop as a character you'd like, and and just uh, just an old school brawl, like in a western town. You got you got Harleys rolling into town. Like who are these guys? Who are these mysterious criminals coming to town? And there's one man. His name's Bazooka, and he's coming in his uh you know he's coming in his hot rod, and let's see how he brings justice for this town. It's a little side story, you know. So I love it. I love it, and I can't wait to see that man. Mm. Um, with any, that said, um, well, have you got any prospective release date on that? Give us a time frame. Oof, this one. Uh, I, I don't think this one's going to take too long. I just need to find the time. You know, take a couple shots. I'd say maybe about maybe about a month. Mm. Um, the only thing that sucks, though, that that really the reason it would take a month is if I could make my own do uh dreadnought figures i don't know if i can pull that off though i kind of want to wait until they maybe give us a dreadnought figure uh, like a group of them or but who knows how long Mm. is that gonna take you know that's what's that's what's holding me off do i want to make custom do they have to be the dreadnoughts could they just be some you know mysterious bikers some criminals that are affiliated with cobra but that would just take away the whole point of the dreadnoughts like you got to have the dreadnoughts you know I'm trying to think which Marvel Legends look dreadnocky and maybe like the Punisher Punisher on his bike, something like that. Um, My first thought ran to the the Love and Thunder Thor with the 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 vest and the the red. Oh yeah, the dad bod one. But it's too. It's not dad bod. No, no, no. The the Love and Thunder, the most recent movie. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that looks too much like Thor, really. Yeah. I could Hems see that. Worth. Just I wanted to get these beef, maybe WWE figures with the beards. Yeah. You, know, you know, WWE figures, just big beefy guys that you know you look like Hell oh yeah. crap, they're intimidating with their size. So I was thinking that, but again, I don't wild want wild hair. Oh, how much better would it have been if it were the dreadnoughts, though? But the actual <laughs> figures, but who knows? I'll maybe I can pull it off. Maybe I can make some. Mike, you got characters like Akuma in. Yeah, you, you managed to like introduce a character like Akuma and I'm not sitting here going, what toy is that or whatever. I'm just like, this guy's badass, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> go for it, man. Just just go for it. Like, you know what? Sell it the best you can. Let the audience uh, fill in the blanks, you know? Let them figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, you could even come back to it and be like, well, these are the guys, you know, they are the dreadnoughts, but, you know, they sucked. So later on when the... when 
Buzzer and Ripper and Thrasher and all of them come out in classified format, you can be like, these are the dreadnoughts that actually worked because the other ones all died. You know, they, or something yeah. Else. yeah, there you go. So you, you can play it in, man. Um, Hell yeah. Coming back to our review of this of this episode. Yeah, uh, we need to get the numbers and get out the door. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a three. Uh wow. Just because yeah, I, I am going a little bit more optimistic on this than I wanted to initially. I was gonna also say like two, two point five. Absolutely but I'm gonna give it a three because I'm so glad that the backgrounds are a are a marked improvement. Uh, there was oh yes, I was I definitely thought that too. Yeah, there was a meeting. Somebody had a meeting. They were like, yep, no, we've got to yeah. tighten these up a bit more. And they did. That was cool. Um, I enjoyed the writing and I enjoyed some, some of the little like character quirks and things like that that made it good. Um, it's getting it's getting three because you know what? Viewer beware. Manage your expectations. You're going to be disappointed by this rendition of the Dreadnoughts. But you may enjoy the story of the G.I. Joes. I shouldn't have to put this disclaimer in front of a G.I. Joe cartoon, but there it is, and that's why it's getting three out of five and not five out of five. Mm. So, yeah, Rob, the whole one. I, yeah, I also, uh, well, not also with you, I'm also with Steve. This gets it too. If I could give it lower, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting worse episodes, so I'm holding on to my 1.5 and ones. But <laughs> I still think that there's, there, I still think the whole concept is cool, Renegades overall, and I think... I think they can be really awesome episodes. So mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to finding those. I need to reframe the way I look journey. at these because I keep I keep criticizing Giorgio Renegades for what it's not. It's you not giving us... for what it is. Exactly, but, exactly. So maybe mm. I need to, to, to ch check myself before I wreck myself. But Guys, we've taken two precious hours of Mike's time and we are very grateful we for have, it. Thank you, Mike, for hanging out. We have yeah, given him two unforgettable hours. <laughs> you know, he got to spend two hours away from his baby boy for a little bit. Um, yes. I'm sure he's absolutely amazing, but he's not as cool as we are. So, yeah, no, it we was have really a link fun. to your channel in the description below. <laughs> We've got a link to our to your two play motions in the description below. But if there's anything else you'd like to pimp out, Instagram, Twitter, tell people where they can find your stuff, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You look at Mike the Hunter 203. I use the same name all across, man. And, and what my channel's about, if you like layback, you know, you're a family guy, you know what it's like to have kids, you know what it's like to have a family life, but embrace your inner nerd as much as possible. So my channel's about, man. I do vlogs, I do toy hunts, I do toy reviews, G.I. Joe movies. Uh, <laughs> come check me out, man. And and just thank you guys so much for having me on. It's uh like it's a real honor. Like I'm I'm with the pros here, like the originals of play motion films. Old farts, more like and, uh, <laughs> wow. Dude, if I can fly if I could fly out there and do a, a movie with you guys, that would be insane. Or if you guys could do a, a, a maybe a voice um oh hell yeah dude there was at least up. one there was at least one comment i think on kamakura from a crossover fan who has obviously watched our stuff and watched your stuff and he was like you guys need to find a way to make this happen i don't know yeah. how <laughs> i've yet to dabble in the classified uh, scale but well voices, on the voices are certainly something we can do mike does not need any help in the voice department. i know he does he certainly does Man, sure I can have you know. Bazooka walk into a bar or something, and you can yeah, have a South African Gilbert crew in the corner <laughs> talking some stuff, you know what I mean? Going back and forth with the way you guys <laughs> communicate most of the time. You know, just something oh, to have you guys yeah. in there. I think that would oh, be really oh. cool. 
It's a cool. Like us, us, us. Like, Random. Cool. And you've got like a new that. fan. Spoon Killer in the chat says, excellent yeah. show, guys. We'll definitely watch Mike's videos. Yes. I appreciate it. If you, you are listening to this show and you haven't, I think you will Do really, it. really enjoy this. Um, Absolutely. Um, you've been well prepped. I hope we haven't given away too much. But yeah, this this stuff is good. And maybe, maybe, hey, maybe this chat will give you a, a refreshed appreciation on the kind of work and dedication that goes into making these. Because yeah, it it's, it's very easy to let it roll over you and just enjoy the pretty pictures. But it's awesome. Like, f- action figure right. filmmaking, I mean, this is a new thing, Where kind it's of. At. You know, you everyone's know, it, doing it, kind of, it now. Yeah, yeah a lot like you see something there's a lot of people that get inspired there's already a few people i know that are trying to make their own and i I could see this becoming a thing so people um, now have license uh, to believe that it that it is exciting to watch like yeah it's not stop motion it's more kinetic than that but even though you can occasionally see the hands of the puppet oh sorry the the hands of the puppeteer um your suspension of disbelief is not dropping. And in fact, the fact that there's actual play going into making these is an enhancement to it. Yeah, that's very important. I mean, I also noticed, I think, I I don't know if it was Comic Career or the classified um, movie, but there was at least one comment where the guy was like, he thought it would be weird to see the hands in the shot, but after a while you just forget about it. And you do, but you also remember that, that this is what playing with toys is like. Yeah, Um, you're playing by proxy. Exactly. Yeah, so, and exactly. yet, with all the added like value going into it, all the production expertise, like it's it's really slick. Yeah, the hands are a bit of a pill to swallow, but yeah, once you nah. see like the story, the sounds, like it really gets you into it. Everyone, like stop motion is one thing; it's really cool. Mm. But and, and I have so much respect for stop motion, like the amount of time that takes to take mm-hmm. a million photos for one scene um but yeah like i just wanted to see like how how fun can i make playing with toys uh seem like again like you guys did so Hell but yeah. bro i can also appreciate the fact that at times it, it it does not feel like play i mean the, the hard work that you've put in legitimates your approach mm. because it's, it's yeah slick. well he's creating an experience for other people too you know he, the, the hard yeah. work he puts in is to see what other people think about it and he's yeah. creating a play experience for them by you know as by proxy so i think mm-hmm. everyone wins yeah yes sir. exactly yeah because we can play is, grown yeah. men are allowed <laughs> grown to people play general. with their toys people? Okay. yeah you need to grown people are toys. allowed to play with their I'm toys because go they can toys afford right them. now yeah, yeah. and speaking of toys i just want to quickly sorry because i i wanna i got something new and it's exciting and it was a gift from celia oh. i got dinobot yeah uh, he was on special. He's on clearance here. Um, there was one left at the toy, sh- uh, toy store. I went to come pick him up. And as I got to the counter, Celia intercepted and she paid for it. So oh, that man. was cool. <laughs> she <laughs> like super rad. tackled you to the ground and was like, take my card, take my card. She's just like, no, take my card. Use my card. And the poor lady was like, okay. See, the little, little yellow stickers. Uh, yeah, so rad. I got him. He's cool. Uh, what, was Dinobot mode? what was it clearance? What was it clearance? Thousand. It was two thousand. No, it was one one seven nine nine. Okay, so two thousand cipher grands versus. Okay, wow. See, yeah, it's crazy. And I saw him in Toy Kingdom when we were in Cape Town. He was there for for two two grand. 
So that's wild. Yeah, but I don't know how so I feel about that. Americans, Paul, he... that's one hundred and ten dollars, but, oh. but uh, Paul got it for about fifty-five dollars. Wow. So, yeah, I wasn't gonna like. I'm I'm happy. You know, I got him because a I really like Dinobots, uh, and I kind of knew that I wouldn't have the opportunity to get him again, at least not at that price, because he's not a peg warmer. I haven't. Uh, I've only seen like two or three of these before in in the flesh. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to buy one online. So he was here. It was a cool experience. And Celio got him for me. And he's fun. He's a fun toy. Not the that's, best. The, most imp- that's the most important yeah. part. You didn't have to pay for it. You didn't <laughs> have to pay for it. And he's fun. And not Funny. the like best ro- uh, not the best uh, animal mode. Like his raptor mode. It's got like it's got a bit to be desired. But you know, cool robot mode. And that that was great because I have the old one. And that has got some issues too. At least this one's got the real head, like a proper face. Okay. Which is and great. it can actually yeah. transform. It's a and real. And it can actually transform. Yes. Yeah, Props on the pose too. Props on the pose. That was a nice pose that you had him in with the uh, the open claw, and then you had like the back foot sort of on the tippy toe with that good. Oh, balance. thanks, man. Thank you very oh, much. Man. Yeah, I, I try. You know, <laughs> I've been shooting. I've been shooting some like review footage in hey, that Bob's space fine. over the last few days um here and there little bits and pieces so kind of warmed up my cool toy posing mode and like seeing your videos and stuff has also got me like thinking of different things so that's been pretty cool so Heck yeah that is yeah. awesome cool guys, guys i have to run i have to run out the door because i have to get up early tomorrow to move thousands of boxes so oh, well, no. let's wrap Rob, it up i'll see you on wednesday bro amazing comic con not your back <laughs> yes if I'll definitely you want to buy our merch we are gi joe on teespring <laughs> sorry and if you'd like to join the patreon berg force we are www.patreon.com slash gi you can get your name up in lights on every single podcast and watch the show live or immediately thereafter as soon as the show has been um, recorded, you have access to it. Amazing. So if you just can't and wait. And other rando things that we put up as well. If you've so, got to get you know. your G.I. Joeberg podcasts as they happen, podcast Patreon is the way forward. And yes, yeah, Paul, you put up some, some extras all the time. What are you what are you putting up these days? So extra. Well, um, like uh, I've got a secret review that's coming up. I don't want to spoil it with you guys either. Um, I've got that Ooh. coming up. I've got another toy review of uh, a classified figure. In fact, there's like three classified figures that are being edited right now. The, the the footage and stuff is being edited and I'm doing voice and whatever. It's been a nuts week, but I'm managing to get it done. And um, yeah, you'll be getting the soundtrack. Uh, we do all these uh, custom soundtracks for our play motions. And I like to release them out to the patrons, uh, to the Bergforce, uh, so that they can listen to them at their own leisure. And even use them in their own play emotions if they want to. So nice. kind of a thing. And, and if you uh, just can't I'll get release... enough. Yeah. If you just can't get enough. G.I. Joburg has a YouTube membership program, and that is where I put my own vlogs. Every single week I either shoot a play motion or do a review or just kick back and share my general thoughts. And um, if you kick, uh, I think it's like three bucks a month over to our membership, uh, you get access to those. Um, at higher tiers, you get access to other stuff like behind the scenes footage. And Paul and Rob, I had no idea, but I think there was some tension the day that we shot Red Glare between the two of you at the beach. Am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think Paul, you were concerned about like glass on the beach and Rob was like, ah, it's fine. And Paul was <laughs> concerned about like spiders in the sand and Rob was like, ah, it's fine. So 
I, I tapped into oh, that while like... I was oh, no, no. like a behind the scenes of all these kind of extra footage. And I kept hearing this recurring like banter between the two of you. Very entertaining. Oh, no, I was just curious because like I don't get to go to the beach that often. And I was surprised. Oh, it doesn't see, get like, out very often, glass. unfortunately. And so um, fine though. Neurotic. And I was also like, mm -hmm. what kind of, like I still saw cool spiders and stuff in, in that greenery. And I was like, well, that could be fun. And Rob's like chilling around barefoot. And I'm like, Please don't step on glass. That's gonna suck. But no, Rob and I, we're always good. There's no, there's no tension there. Yeah, you got to oh, get yeah. in the nitty gritty out there. Like I, when I'm playing and it's like a cold day, you got mud. Oh man, I'm bantering with myself. Like, am I gonna get down on my hands and knees to get this shot? I <laughs> yes, end up you with mud all over my knees, my elbows. I'm like, it was worth it. I got the shot. Yes, sir. Yeah. and that stuff will hopefully outlive us all until YouTube yeah. eventually dies. Um, <laughs> hey, well, thank you very much to the Bergforce members in the chat, Spoon Killer, Chris, and Bob. We love you, bros. We uh, we see you. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I guess with all that said and done, we'll catch you in two weeks for some more comic book buzz and toy talks. This has been GI Joburg, and we are out. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. <laughs> Burr. 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 Burr.